if you are under the sound of my voice just know your light has come and your life will never be the same without wasting much of our time let us lead the word for today we are going to lead 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you a living church what is a living church many times people do advise us please be going to a living church and we really search for a living church and many believe they are in a living church but my question today is what is a living church and how do you know that this is a living church is a living church a church where there are a lot of people is a living church a church where miraculous powers are being expressed where people are receiving prophecies where there are equipments is it a place where deliverance are taking place what is a living church in our text we get something very important the bible says don't you realize that you are the temple of god why by the spirit of the lord who dwells inside you what means one thing that characterizes a living church is the spirit of the lord if the spirit of the lord is in the place that means it is a living church the bible says as a christian you are a temple of god why by the spirit of the lord that lives in you meaning that a living church is a church which has gathered people with the spirit of the lord in them no matter how many people can be in a church but if those people do not have the holy spirit inside their heart that is not a church and take note that what we call a church is usually a building a church is a person a church are a people and are a people with the holy spirit inside their heart if the holy spirit is inside your heart you are a church if the holy spirit is inside the people who are in a building that building is called a church because of those people who carry the holy spirit in their heart so the first thing that characterizes a living church is the presence of the indwelling holy spirit not the presence of the upon holy spirit remember the holy spirit manifests in a person as the indwelling holy spirit and as the upon holy spirit which is the power apart from the with you holy spirit who is the convicting holy spirit but now let me talk about the indwelling holy spirit and the upon holy spirit the indwelling holy spirit is what makes someone 
to be a living temple is what makes a place to be a church the indwelling Holy Spirit and not the power and not the Holy Spirit upon that brings the gifts remember in Matthew's uh, chapter 7 verse 22 Jesus was speaking that during the judgment day many will be speaking Lord I prophesied in your name I delivered in your name I casted out demons and devils in your name I healed in your name and Jesus will say I never knew you which means Jesus does not recognize us by the power of Holy Spirit does not recognize us by prophesying does not recognize us by deliverance by healing but he recognizes us by his spirit in our heart he recognizes us by us doing the word of god allow you the doer of the word of god if you do the word of god that's what will characterize as a living church People who are in a living church are a people who do the word of God. Are you doing the word of God? Wherever you go, look at the people. Uh, the Bible says, by their fruit, you recognize them. By their fruit, you will know them. Look at what they are doing. Look at what they are showing. What is their fruit? What are they showing outside? The Bible says, you will know them by their fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The Bible says there is love, there is joy, there is kindness, there is goodness. In their love, in a place you are going to. In their kindness, in the place you are going to. In their goodness. Up to those nine parts which are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. You need to be checking those things. When you see the fruit of the spirit you know that the indwelling holy spirit exists and therefore a church a living church exists apart from that make sure that they are doing the word are they doing the word the people who are doing the word are the people who are a living church because the holy spirit will give you enablement to be doing the word of god and for the holy spirit to come inside your heart he came just because you you were the doer of the word and as you continue doing the word that means you maintain the holy spirit in you for the fruit of the spirit to come out the living church is characterized by mainly two things number one the spirit of the lord inside those people who are in that church if the people who are in that church have the holy spirit inside their heart just know it is a living church and if those people are doing the word just know it is a living church it doesn't matter they are two people it doesn't matter there are few people it doesn't matter it is not a cloud but if they have the holy spirit and they are doing the word it is a living church when we read matthew chapter 18 verse 20 jesus spoke that where two or three meet in my name there i will be it doesn't mean that you say just because we meet in jesus name we pray in jesus name then we are a church no 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 but to be to meet in the name of Jesus means to meet 
in the name of the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit is inside our heart. If the Holy Spirit is inside our heart, that means you are meeting in the name of Jesus. You are meeting in the name of Jesus if the Holy Spirit dwells inside your heart. All you need for you to be recognized as a living temple is the Holy Spirit inside your heart. And where two or three people meet who have the Holy Spirit inside their heart, that means it is a living church. Be careful this end time. Be very careful. Not all churches are real. A church that is real is a church that is focused on two things. Focused on the presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit and focused on doing the Word. Doing the Word and the indwelling Holy Spirit is what you need for a living church. Is what characterizes a living church. Are you in a living church? I want to pray for you that the Lord must position you in a living church and you must remain in a living church because time is gone. Jesus is coming. He is not coming for names of churches. He is not coming for names of men and women of God you go to, but is coming for those people who have the Holy Spirit inside their heart, for those people who are doers of the word. Make a decision today. Start doing the word of God. And may the good Lord bless you and guide you in the mighty name of Jesus. If you are under the sound of my voice, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of our time for today, let us lead the weight. We are going to lead from Titus chapter 3 verses 3 to 5. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lust and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Our text today, qualified by His messes. Many times, when we see our falling brothers, when we see people committing this sin and this, when we see people going against the will of God about their life, sometimes we look at them as failures. Sometimes we look at them as nobody. Sometimes we look at them as people who are not really worthy before the Lord. But look at the weight. This was Paul speaking. He said, we once too were foolish and disobedient and we are once being deceived. Today when we look at someone being deceived by Satan, 
we call them as failures we call them as useless we call them so many names but the Bible is teaching us today we all have come from nobody to somebody we all have come from zero to a better percentage we all have come from bad to good to excellent we all have done something that was not worth it before the Lord but the Bible today is teaching us that it takes the message of the Lord it takes the love of God it takes his message for us to move from the bottom to top nobody just came to be on top nobody just found himself to be excellent nobody just found himself to be worthy before the Lord we all have come from sin to righteousness we all have come from a nobody to somebody so the Bible today is teaching us that we need to remember we need to remember that we are not good by just ourselves it is by his message that we are who we are and it is a lesson into our life today that in whatever we do in whatever we want there is something that must qualify us for that which we want there are a lot of things god wants to give to our life there are a lot of things god has prepared for our life by then we cannot just get them like that many things in our life we qualify by his message we qualify by his love not by whatsoever we do not by our lusciousness but by his love we are qualified i want to tell you today that there are some things god wants to give to your life and you are failing to attract them and you are failing to receive them just because you do not realize the message of the lord as much as you are working as much as you are doing this this and that but many things in your life that which you seek you will not get it by whatsoever you do you will not get it by your prayer you will not get it by your fasting you will not get them by your going to the mountain and pray some things many things you are looking for in your life you will have them by his message there is no any qualification that will give you what god wants to give you but you are going to qualify by his message you are going to be qualified by his love unto your life i want you to realize today that all what you need is to say oh lord i do not deserve that which i'm seeking but father by your message may i be granted but father by your love may i be granted by your kindness because you are kind because you are love because you are a merciful god father i know i'll have that which i seek and i pray for you may the good lord grant you his message may the good lord grant you his love may the good lord grant you his kindness in the mighty name of jesus whatsoever you have been failing to receive may you receive it today in the mighty name of jesus may the message of the lord be upon your life in the mighty name of jesus it's not about what we are it's not about 
what we are doing is not about what we have done is about his messes what you need is the message of the Lord and many times when we see our failing brother we look at them in in judgment so judgmental that this brother is not good enough this brother is a failure this brother why can this brother do this this and that i want to tell you even if for you to be protected from that evil one is the message of the lord for you to be protected from the attacks of the evil one is by the message of the lord when you see a brother failing when you see a brother uh, falling down in his ministry or in whatsoever he does make sure you help that brother in love and in harmonies this is what the bible is teaching us in galatians chapter 6 verse 1 the bible says we must lift each other in love in harmonies because it is not just them but it is because they also lack the message of the lord they also lack the love of of god that is upon your life for you to learn a way, for you to resist the devil, is the message of the Lord. For you to love God the way you do, is the kindness and message of the Lord. So if others are failing to love God the way maybe you are doing it, just pray for the message of the Lord. Just pray for the love of God, for the kindness of God upon their life. Oh, what will qualify them is not their deeds, but the message of the Lord, the kindness and love of God. We must lift each other in love and in harmonies. Failure to do that, you only attract the same kind of temptations to your life. Many of us, we have fallen, we have failed just because we failed to uplift our fellow brother in love, in kindness. Our Bible today is teaching us to be humble even before others, to lift each other in love, just as the Lord lift us in His kindness, love, and mercies. All you needed was the message of the Lord, and all what your brother and sisters need is the message of the Lord. Before you can judge them, before you can speak all such things to your brothers and sisters, I want you to realize today that as you needed messes, they too need mercy. Pray for them, lift them in love and kindness, and may that love be upon your life in the mind of Jesus. There's a lot that God wants to give you, but you only be granted if you love others in love and in kindness look at paul in galatians chapter 1 verses 13 to 16 he said i was once persecuting christians though i was chosen but i was persecuting christians though from birth the lord chose me to be an apostle but i was was persecuting the christians what does it mean and paul said it took the message of god it took the kindness of god the love 
love of God to reveal his son in my life. It means without Jesus to be revealed in your life, nothing good can happen in your life. If you are doing something good, if you are doing something excellent, you must be thanking God that he revealed his son unto your life. And as you see others who are walking in so much sin, who are walking against the guidelines of God, you must only pray for them that may the message of the Lord also be upon their life. May the love, may the message and the kindness of God be upon their life so that God must reveal his son in their life. It doesn't require their deeds. It doesn't require them to pray. It doesn't require them to go to the mountain. It doesn't require them to fast. But all what they need are the messes of the Lord and I pray for you. There are so many things God wants to give to your life. There are so many blessings God has prepared for you and you may not be granted if you have not been granted the son Jesus, if you have not been granted the messes and love of our Lord God. And I pray for you. May the message of God be upon your life. In the name of Jesus, may the love, kindness and message of the Lord be upon your life. In the name of Jesus, may you find favor before the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. God bless you and this has been your light for today. May you take care of this light. May you shine like never before. Shining better than you are yesterday. Amen. If you are under the sound of my voice right now, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of our time for today, let us lead the way. We are going to lead 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 12. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 12. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Our text today is persecutions in the name of Jesus. Persecutions in the name of Jesus. Many times when we are in trouble, when we are being persecuted, when we are in problems, we think by starting worshiping God, by starting relying on Jesus, that means all our problems will go. That means we will not have any problems at all. So we choose to follow Jesus or we choose to start worshipping Jesus with a belief that all our problems will go. Yes, that is true. But we need to realize that as we follow Jesus, even more problems will come against our life. Even more persecutions will come against our life. Following Jesus does not mean we'll live a life without problems. We'll live a life without persecutions. But persecutions will come. And then problems will come. But we'll have hope. We'll be strengthened 
in the mighty name of Jesus. If you are following Jesus, it means you are that tree that is planted by the waters. That means even if there's that much drought, you, it will not be the same as with a person who is planted by the land. That means as you are planted by the liver, as you are planted by the water, you will be supplied even in that drought, even in that same problem. So that's what it means when you are in Jesus and without Jesus, but both of you being subjected to the same persecutions. There will be a different. There will be persecutions in Jesus. By then, you will find comfort because you will be strengthened by the Spirit of the Lord. So, to walk with Jesus doesn't mean you will be free from the problems. You'll be free from persecutions. Those persecutions will come, but you'll be strengthened. And the Bible says, those who live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecutions. What does it mean to live a godly life? To live a godly life means a life that does the word of God. If you start doing the word of God, or if you decide to start doing the word of God, that means you have decided to walk in a godly life. And it is the person who does the word of God that is feared by the devil. Satan is not afraid of someone who is leading the word of God. He is not afraid of someone who goes to church. He is not afraid of someone who preaches the word. He is afraid of that someone who does the word of God, who does that which he has heard, who does the word he listens from church each and every day. So Satan is against those people who are the doers of the word. You are a godly person if you are doing the word. And if you are doing the word, what will happen is that you will be attacked even more because Satan is looking for such kind of a people. When we read in Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, the Bible says Satan is against that woman, that woman who gives birth to children and is more especially against those children who are doing the word of God, which means if you are doing the word of God, Satan is against you because Satan doesn't want you to be doing the word of God. On this earth, there is a battle. It is a battle between God and Satan himself. And we people who are living on this earth, we are like the thrones. We are like those clowns. The clowns that Satan wants. The clown that Jesus wants. So whenever we found ourselves in the camp of Jesus, that means Satan will try his best to fight back for our souls. That's why when we are in Jesus, we face so much persecutions. Because whenever we leave the camp of Satan and then we leave in the camp of God himself. Satan, that means has lost something and he will fight with all what he has to make sure that he takes us back to his camp. That is the battle that exists here on earth. 
Now the question is, will you allow yourself to be in the camp of Satan? Or will you allow yourself to be in the camp of God? When, when you are in the camp of God, you have life. All blessings come from God through Jesus Christ. Whatever you want from God, you are going to receive through Jesus Christ. What we are learning today is that whenever we are in Jesus Christ, we are going to still face persecutions just because we are in a place that Satan doesn't want us to be. So he will attack us. He will attack our businesses. He will attack our job. He will attack our families. He will attack our relationship, our marriages. What he wants is not the marriage. It's not our job. It's not our relationship. It's not the things we rely on. What Satan wants, he simply wants our soul back in his camp. So we need to be very careful that we are in Jesus does not mean free from problems. Problems will be there. All we need is to persevere. All we need is to continue staying in the Lord. All we need is to continue worshiping God, is to continue doing the word because that is a temptation to lure you out of the presence of God that should be in the camp of an enemy. And today, 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 I want to pray for you. I want to release the grace upon your life, the grace to stay in the word of God, the grace to continue doing the word of God in the mind of Jesus. May the good Lord favor you. May the good Lord manifest more and more unto your life in the mind of Jesus. Whatever attack upon your life. I reverse it in the mind of Jesus. Every attack to your business, every attack to your academics, every attack to your relationship, every attack to your marriage, every attack to your job, every attack to your life, I cancel it in the mind of Jesus. You are free in the mind of Jesus. You will see the light in your everything in the mind of Jesus. God bless you and may this light dwell with you forever in Jesus mighty name. Amen. If you are under the sound of my voice right now, I just want you to realize that your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of our time, let us lead the word for today. We are going to lead Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Our text today is God's blessing. God's blessing. Many times we want the blessings of the Lord. Many times we pray, we go to the mountain, we go on fasting. What we want, we want God to bless us. What we want, we want God to anoint us. What we want, we want the graces from God to be upon our life. And many times we miss the formula. 
because we do not receive, we do not get that which we want God to place us. In our text today, we are going to learn something. There is a certain principle that God wants, wants us to have, especially when you want a blessing from Him. Look at what God spoke to Moses. He said, instruct Aaron to bless my people. But look, when we look at God, we say God is the blesser. The person who can bless my life is God himself. But then look at what God was telling Moses. He said, ask Aaron, instruct Aaron to bless my people in a special way by speaking to them the following words. Why is it that God was asking Aaron to bless the people? I want to tell you this. There's something you are looking from God. There's something you want God to give you. But God will not come down and give you physically. Anything you are looking from God, anything you need from God, God has already given it to people who are on this earth. That which you are looking for is with your neighbor. That which you are looking for is with someone out there. That which you are looking for is with your pastor. As much as you can be praying to God, by then someone must come and give you that which you want to have. When you pray to God, it is like to pray to God, but you need to realize that God will have to send someone to give that which you are looking for. God will have to make someone to bring that which you are looking for. You are going to receive from God through someone else. So, that you are looking for God alone, it is not enough. You need a man to bless your life. You need a neighbor to bless your life. You need those who are around you to bless your life. You need a human being to bless your life. That which you are looking for, God has already released everything that a man will ever want in this world. Everything you seek, it is already with the people on this earth. So, you need to realize that God really wants to bless you, but He is going to bless you through someone else. He is going to bless you through other people. Allow you lady to be blessed by God. You must be expectant. You must always be looking in any direction. Any direction you can receive a blessing. That's why it is good to welcome anyone, to welcome everybody, because God can use anyone to bless your life. And are you ready to receive the blessings of the Lord? Today, 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 God is instructing me to bless you, is instructing me to release a blessing upon your life. I might not have the money you are looking for to start your business. I might not have the money you are looking for to pay your school fees. I may not have the money you are looking for to settle your debts. But one thing I know, the blessing I'm going to release to your life today, it will make those people who are in custody of our blessings to come forward and see you and bless your life. The blessing I'm going to release upon your life will make people to remember you. The blessing I'm going to release to your life will make the heavens to shine upon your life. Will make the heavens to open before you because God has established 
instructed me to release a blessing upon your life and I just want you to be connected I just want you to connect to this voice of mine because there is a class there is a blessing coming upon your life and I pray for you today may the Lord favor you in the mighty name of Jesus may the heavens look look at you with favor in the mighty name of Jesus anyone who forgot you may you be remembered in the mighty name of Jesus any hindrance between your life and your blessing I cast it out in the mighty name of Jesus I remove those hindrances in the mighty name of Jesus everywhere your blessing is I'm sending angels right now angels to bring those blessings into your life in the mighty name of Jesus may the good Lord bless your business may the good Lord bless your academics may the good Lord remember your relationship may the good Lord remember your marriage I decree and declare the be peace in your marriage in the mighty name of Jesus. I decree and declare there will be success in your business in the mighty name of Jesus. I decree and declare there will be that peace you were seeking in your relationship. There will be restoration in the mighty name of Jesus. Whatsoever you have lost in this previous year, I decree and declare there will be restoration starting this day in the mighty name of Jesus. May the Lord restore to you double, double in the mighty name of Jesus. May the message of the Lord be upon your life in the mighty name of Jesus. I lead the grace upon your life, the grace of prayer, the grace to maintain the blessings of the Lord in the mighty name of Jesus. May the grace of salvation be upon your life and your relatives, all your household in the mighty name of Jesus. May that grace that makes people to remember you, may that grace that makes people to favor you you be upon your life in the mighty name of Jesus. You will be favored in the mighty name of Jesus. You will glow in the likeness of Christ in the mighty name of Jesus. I leave the anointing upon your life. The anointing that makes people come over to your life. That makes people to see the light on your life. May that grace, may that anointing be upon your life in the mighty name of Jesus. I leave the grace, the hear he him grace may it be upon your life in the mighty name of Jesus it can happen that whatsoever you speak nobody wants to hear nobody wants to listen it can happen that whatsoever good you want to share no one wants to get it no one wants to listen you were lacking the hear him anointing and I release it in the mighty name of Jesus you shall be heard by people you shall be heard all over this world in the mighty name of Jesus may the good Lord favor you may the good Lord Lord, bring that which you were looking for in the mighty name of Jesus. May the good Lord favor you. May the light of the Lord shine upon your life. May the heavens open for you. May the heavenly blessings fall upon your life like manna. May the heavenly blessings fall upon your life like the lens in the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you and you are blessed. May this light keep on shining on you forever. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you are under the sound of my voice right now, I just want to let you know that your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of your time, 
let us lead the way for today. We are going to lead from Numbers chapter 13 verses 30 to 31. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. Our text today is Destiny Killers. In this life, we have people who are able to help us in our destinies. And then we also have some people who are there to kill our destinies. These are the people who say you cannot do it. These are the people who say what do you have. These are the people who say whom do you rely. These are the people who say this cannot happen. You can never plant a church. You cannot start a job. You cannot do this business. You cannot go to that country. You cannot do this, this and that. These are people who kill our destinies. In this year, there's a lot you have planned. There's a lot you want to do. And yet, there are some who believe you cannot do. There are some who come and discourage you who come and say it is impossible who come and say it cannot happen be very careful with such kind of a people these are the people we call destiny killers what you are destined to do you cannot do just because of such kind of a people better learn away from such people better stay away from this kind of a voice those voices are the voices from that evil one, are the voices from the devil and planted in someone else just to discourage you, just to let you down so that you should not get where God wants you to be. In our text, we see what uh, happened with the Israelites. Moses and Aaron sent people to see the land, how it is, the land God gave them. And when these people went and saw the, the place, they came back with a report. They reported to more that, no, 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 the people who are there are so strong. They are tall and they have they have much strength. We cannot overtake them. We cannot take over that land. We cannot win against them in a battle. They spoke a lot. But look at this Caleb. Caleb came and said, no, 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 no. We must go. We will certainly conquer this land. He knew that, no, no, no. With our God, we cannot fail. But look at this other. They said, no. They counteracted again to Caleb and said, no, 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 no. Those people are strong. We cannot win against them. I want to tell you, these are the people you need to stay away from them in this year 2022. Because in this year, God wants you to fulfill so much about your destiny. In this year, there is so much that God wants you to do. God wants you in this year to build your house. God wants you in this year, you must start a big business. 
God wants you in this year, you must go to other nations to do your business. You must go to other nations to do your ministry in this same way. But some people, when they look at you, when they look at the amount you have, when they look at the businesses you have, when they look at the work you have, they will say you cannot do it. It is impossible. I want you to take it from me that everything is possible with God. Stay away from such people who discourage you. Stay away from people who think nothing can work with you, who sees nothing in whatever you do. Stay away from such people. Stay away from such kind of voices because those voices are destiny killers. When we read the Bible in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, the Bible says, if you believe anything is possible with God. What God wants from you is your belief. How is your faith? Do you believe that you are going to do what you have planned to do? The Bible says, with a man are just the plans, but it is God who does them. I want you to have that in mind, that it is not you who does the things. It is not by your strength. It is not by your money you have. It is not by your businesses. It is not by your work, but it's God who does the things. If you want to go in the name of your business, if you want to go in the name of your manners, in the name of your work, in the name of your capabilities, you are not going to make it. But you must go in the name of Jesus. I'm going to build my house this year. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to plant a church. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to start a big business. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to cross borders and minister to the Lord. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to complete that which I desire to complete. In that way, that means you are going to complete it. It is not by your strength. It is not by what you have, but it is by Jesus himself. As a child of God, you have got something inside your heart. You have got possibilities inside your heart. You carry possibilities in you. You carry possibilities inside your belly. Something is going to happen just because you have got Jesus. When we read Genesis chapter 18 verse 14, we see uh the Bible is teaching us that is anything too hard for the Lord. This was the time when God was promising Abraham that you are going to have a child and you are going to name him Isaac. Sarah had to reason say, how can this happen? Can I have a child in this old age? And then God heard him. And then he said, is anything too hard for the Lord? There is a lot you are in a situation you cannot even uh, start a small business. You are in a situation you cannot even build a house. You are in a situation you cannot even complete that which you want to do. But I want to tell you that is anything too hard for the Lord. With God you are going to do it. It is not you. So don't look at what you have. Don't look at your capabilities. But it is God who is going to fulfill it. It is God who is going to do that which you wanted to do. I want to have this in mind that only God will do it for you. Only God will do it for you. And this is not is going to happen in your life. A lot is going to happen. Out of people come, it is impossible. 
just remember that nothing is impossible with God and you have got God in you. God will help you. When we read Mark chapter 10 verse 27, the Bible says with man it is impossible, but with God everything is possible. Which means if you go in the name of one name, you are going to fail, but you must go in the name of the Father. You must go in the name of Jesus himself, then you see yourself completing. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 45. We see David was going against Goliath in a war. And when Goliath saw David carrying some, some stones, Goliath spoke, Am I a dog that you should come to me with some stones? But look at what uh, David answered. David answered. He said, you come to me with swords, spears, and with much of your weapons. But I come to you in the name of Jesus, in the name of our Lord, the reader of the heaven armies. Which means David was going for a war, not by himself. He was going there to fight in the name of Jesus. I want you to have that same thing in mind. You will only win, not by going with your manners. In this 2022, you don't need your money to win. In this 2022, you don't need your strength to win. In this 2022, you don't need your work to win. In this 2022, you don't need your strength. You don't need your manners. You don't need your house. don't need your business. You don't need your wisdom. You don't need your intelligence. You don't need your knowledge. You are going to win in the name of Jesus. That's where there's your strength. And I want to announce it to you. It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter the way you have. It doesn't matter your bank account how it is. But with God you are going to complete it. With God I'm seeing you planting a church. With God I'm seeing you building your house in the name of Jesus. With God I see you starting that big business in the name of Jesus. With God in the name of Jesus. In the name of the heavens armies. I see you completing that which you plan in Jesus mighty name. Don't give up. Focus whatsoever God has revealed to you. Focus on it. It's not you to complete it. It's God himself to complete it. Take it and complete it. In the name of Jesus. And I pray for you. May you be partnered with the spirit of the Lord. To complete whatsoever you desire to complete. In Jesus mighty name. May the good Lord be with you. May favor and speed be upon your life. May the anointing of the Lord be on you to complete that which you have planned for this year in the mighty name of Jesus. Everything is going to happen in Jesus' mighty name. May this light of today be upon your life. May this light shine more in your life and may it shine like never before, better than you were yesterday in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you are under the sound of my voice right now, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of our time, let us lead the word for today. 
on 6th January. We are going to read Revelation chapter 2 verses 10. Revelation chapter 2 verses 10. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Our text today is your last step to victory. Before victory, there is a step you need to pass it through. And the Bible says the step, the last step to your victory is imprisonment. The last step to your victory is imprisonment. The Bible says the devil will imprison some of you. Why? Because your time has come to be crowned. Your time has come to be blessed. Your time has come for your rising. Your time has come for you to, to walk in those prophecies that have been prophesied upon your life. So, before that time, there is an imprisonment. I want you to realize this, that whenever you are being persecuted, whenever you are suffering, whenever things are not working the way you hoped for, just know that that is an indication that your blessing has come. That is an indication that your victory is at your fingertip. That is an indication that your blessings are just beckoning. Your last, the last step to your victory is imprisonment. You shall suffer. You shall be imprisoned. You shall face difficulties. You shall face a lot of problems. You shall be in debt. You shall, a lot of people shall complain about you. A lot of people shall come against you. A lot of things will just come down. Your businesses will collapse. Your ministry will be like seeing nothing is working. Just know that is your imprisonment. Just know that is the test of the devil. What God wants you, wants you to persevere. What God wants you to do is that you must be faithful, even to death. Even if you see everything is going down, but you must continue being faithful. Even if you see no hope, but you must continue being faithful. You must continue doing the word of God. You must continue focusing on God. In that way, that means you are ready for the crown of life. Your crown of life is the business you want to start. Your crown of life is your blessing you are waiting to receive. Your crown of life is the job you are seeking. Your crown of life is the promotion you have been seeking. Your crown of life is whatsoever you seek from God. Don't give up. For you to get that kind of life, for you to get such kind of a blessing, you have to pass through the prison. You have to pass through a certain life, a certain vigorous life, a certain heavy life that will test you. Are you ready for that crown of life? Are you ready for your blessing? You are ready if you continue to persevere even inside your persecution, even inside your wilderness. Look at Joseph. 
Joseph was in prison in Egypt before he became a prime minister. Joseph was thrown in a pit before being taken to a place of his destiny. You might be suffering as well. You might be in your prison. You might be in your prison of financial instability. You might be in your prison of your marriage instability. You might be in your prison of your relationship instability. That is your imprisonment. And the Bible says don't give up. You must be faithful. Even if they are taking you in that den of lions. Even if they are taking you to throw you in the fire. You must continue being faithful. That means you are ready for that victory. Death has to happen first before you can live. You need to die before you can live. This is what happened to Jesus. Jesus died so that we can live. Jesus died and later he lived. In the same way with our life, we needed to die to our body. We need to humble ourselves. We need to die in this world. We need to die in this earth. We need to die to the things of this world and then we are going to find life. That which we need is life and life comes after death. Whatsoever you are experiencing is your death. Whatsoever you are experiencing is your death. A seed, for a seed to grow, it has to die inside the soil down there and then it will grow and give something uh, that will be the fruit that people will marvel at. In the same way, you are that seed. If you want to grow, if you want to rise, you must first of all die. And in your persecutions, in your suffering, it resembles death. You will die and then you live forever. You must accept the death. Should you not accept this death to your life, you will not live to receive the crown of life. You will not live to receive the blessing. But the Bible says you must accept it. To accept death to the things of this world is to continue doing the word of God. Is to continue doing the word of God. Is to continue abiding in Christ. Even if you are suffering. Even if you are in difficulties. Even if things are not working. Look at David. David, before he became king, what was he doing in the cave of Adullam? What was David, what was the king David doing in the cave of Adullam? He was running away from Saul for his life. In the same way, you are in a cave. In your suffering, you are in a cave. Just after that cave, when you don't give up, I tell you, you will find yourself rising. You will find yourself being promoted. When David was running away, away from Saul. It came a point when David had all the opportunity to kill Saul, but he did not kill Saul. He forgave him and he said, may God do everything. That was forgiveness and that was leaving everything in the hands of God. Vengeance is for the Lord. Even if you have a chance to not forgive your enemy, even if you have a chance not to do good to your enemy, you must do good to your enemies. In that way, you are being faithful to God even until death and then your crown of life will come upon your life. This is the time you need to love those who are persecuting you. This is the time you need to do good to those who are persecuting you because it is in that way where your blessings will come from. It is in that way where we'll say you are being faithful to God. Do you know how Job 
uh, received everything that was lost in his life. The Bible says when Job prayed for his friends, God restored everything to his life. Double, double. In other words, the key to restoration is forgiveness. The key to restoration is praying for our enemies. The key to restoration is remembering those who are persecuting us. Is to do good to those who are persecuting us. In that way, we are leaving everything for the Lord. Vengeance is for the Lord. We must do the same. In your persecution, remember that there is God. Remember to remember faithful to God and then your crown is coming. The Israelites were promised to the land of Canaan, the land of honey, but they did not just fly and enter that land. The, the Bible says they were taken through the wilderness. In the wilderness, it is a place of lack. In the wilderness, it is a place of torture. It is a place of try. It is a place where you are lacking a lot of things. I want to tell you, in your lack of money, you are in the wilderness. In your lack of job, you are in the wilderness. In your lack of whatsoever you are seeking from God, you are in the wilderness. And after your wilderness, I tell you, your blessing comes. Your victory comes. Before your victory is your wilderness. And your life right now, you are in the wilderness. Don't be afraid. Don't give up. Just remain faithful unto the Lord. Keep on doing the work. Keep on focusing on Jesus himself and then after that you are going to receive the crown the crown of life is what blessing you are seeking you are seeking from the Lord your crown of life is your job your crown of life is your business and they are coming if you remain faithful to the word of God don't don't give up you must continue focusing on God and everything will be well with you. And I pray for you. May the good Lord give you that spirit of perseverance in the mighty name of Jesus. May the good Lord favor you with the grace to stay, the grace to remain in the Lord in the mighty name of Jesus. If you are under the sound of my voice today, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of your time for today, let us lead the way. We are going to lead from 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 8. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 8. I desire therefore that the men play everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Our text today is acceptable prayer. Acceptable prayer. We usually say that where there is a person praying, there is also God to answer that prayer. But this saying is not true to everyone who prays. And many Christians today are praying and are not receiving their answers 
are not getting any answer. What is the problem? What should be the intervention? What could be long that you pray and you are receiving no answer? In our text today, we see Paul speaking to the Christians that this is how you ought to pray. And he gives three qualities of a prayer that is acceptable unto God. We hear he said, you must pray with your holy hands raised. What does it mean? It means we must be praying while our heart is in line with the Lord. We must be praying without any sin. So it talks about the purity of our heart. Remember, it's not really a person that plays. It's not really about our words, but it's a heart that plays. Meaning that it's the Spirit of the Lord who is in our heart that plays. So if we are living in sin, it means we are lifting our dirty hands to the Lord and the Lord will not look at our prayer with favor. Many times we are not receiving answers from God because we are praying with dead hands. We are praying with unfree spirit in our heart. We are praying with the grieved spirit in our heart and we are failing to receive answers. God looks with favor to any prayer that is prayed in purity, to any prayer that is prayed without any sin. When we read in Isaiah chapter 59 verse 1, God was speaking. He said, Is it that my arm is too short that I cannot save you? Is it that my ears are deaf that I cannot hear that which you are praying? So, he means God's hands are there to save us and God is there to hear our prayer. But it is our dirty hands. God doesn't look at hands which are dead. God doesn't listen to a prayer that is filled with guilty, that is filled with the sin. It means we must first of all get rid of every sin in our life and then we must pray. That is a prayer that is offered in purity. That is a prayer that is offered with holy hands and it is a prayer that God looks with favor and then we are answered. How are you praying? If you pray each and every day, how is your style of living? Are you living in sin? If you forsake any sin in you, I tell you, you will pray and you receive answers. You will pray and things will be working in your life. You are not receiving any answer just because you are living in sin. And he went on to give the second quality. He said, you must pray without any wrath, without any anger. What does it symbolize? Anger is a fruit of unforgiveness. Anger or any grudge is the fruit of unforgiveness. So it means if you want to pray and be answered by God, that means you must make sure that you take away any 
spirit of anger in your life. You take away any spirit of unforgiveness in your life. It is unforgiveness and anger and keeping grudges that are making our prayer life to be ineffective. We are going to be effective in our prayer life whenever we choose to forgive, whenever we choose to go to let go of anger, to let go of any clutch. In that way, we will pray and receive our answers from the Lord. How do you pray? Have you forgiven the people who have offended you? Have you forgiven those who have done things badly against your life? Are you holding any grudge with someone? Do you like living in anger? I want to pray for you. Any spirit of anger in your life, be casted out in the mind of Jesus. Every unforgiving spirit be casted out in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. If there's any prison where Satan has put you in terms of sin, I pray for you. May every sin be broken in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Every imprisonment of sin, every imprisonment of sin be broken in your life in Jesus' mighty name. God wants your prayer life to be effective. And your prayer life will be effective if you pray without any sin. And if you pray without any clutch, without any anger in you. Praying with a forgiving spirit. Praying with a free spirit. Remember in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit by not forgiving. We grieve the Holy Spirit by living in sin. So as you forsake sin, as you start choosing to forgive, that means you start living in a way that when you pray, you will be able to receive your answers. How is your prayer life? Is your prayer life effective? Be effective today by choosing to forgive. Be effective in your prayer life today by choosing to live without any sin. In that way, you will see your prayer life being effective. Another final and third quality Paul illustrated, he said you must pray without any doubt. Doubting is a lack of faith. The Bible says we must pray and believe that that which we have prayed for, we have received. In that way, we receive from God anything we want. Which means if we want to have an acceptable prayer, if we want to be effective in prayer, we must add faith unto it. Faith is to be hopeful that whatsoever we have prayed for is going to happen, is going to take place. That is faith. Do you have faith when you pray? At the end of praying, do you believe that what you have prayed for, you have them? Do you feel joy that you have received that which you have prayed for? The Bible says we must pray having faith. An acceptable prayer. An acceptable prayer, according to the text of today, has three qualities. The first quality is purity. You must live in purity. You must live without sin. And then when you pray, you'll be accepted. You'll be answered. And then you must live 
without keeping any grudge. You must live to forgive. You must live without any anger. And then when you pray, your prayers will be answered. And the Bible says we must make sure that whatsoever we pray for, we believe or we hope that we have received. That is faith. Do you have the three qualities? Whenever you want to pray, you must have them. Purity, way of unforgiveness, spirit. And then you must always have faith to believe that what you have prayed for is going to happen. I want to release a blessing upon your life. May the good Lord give you the grace to live in lusciousness always. In the mind of Jesus. May the grace to forsake the unforgiving spirit, to forsake anger, to get rid of anger in your life, be upon you in the mind of Jesus. And may that grace to glow in faith, to glow in trusting God in everything you want to do, in everything you have prayed for, be upon your life in the mind of Jesus. May the good Lord be with you. May light shine upon your life wherever you go. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you are under the sound of my voice, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of our time, let us lead the way for today on 8th January. We are going to read 2 Chronicles chapter 6 verses 14 to 15. 2 Chronicles chapter 6 verses 14 to 15. He prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in all heaven and earth. You keep your covenant and show unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. You made that promise with your own mouth and with your own hands. You have fulfilled it today. Our text today is a prayer that moves God. A prayer that moves God. Many times we do pray and then we do not see God coming to the attention of whatsoever we are experiencing. We invite God in our situations. We invite God in so many things in our life and yet we do not see God attending to our situation. Most of the time, we do not see God arriving or intervening into our situation. What could be the problem? And today we want to see what what kind of a prayer should we offer 
to make God lies on his throne. How can we make God lies on his throne and attend to our situations and attend to our things? In the verse we have just led, or the text we have just led, we see a prayer of Solomon. Solomon had things to request from God. By then, he did not start with the request. He didn't want to request anything from God. But he started with praising God. He started with telling who God is, that he that there is no one, be it in heaven or on earth, who is above God, who is like God of heavens. That means he is God alone. He is God in his own. No one is like him. So he was like praising God. So a player that makes God to lies on his throne is a player that shows you know him. Is a player that shows you understand God. How do you know God? Do you know God that is a healer? Do you know God that is a blesser? Do you know God that he can change your life from zero to a hundred percent? Do you know that God can just in a minute, in a second, transform your life? The Bible says when you pray in understanding, when you pray that you know God, that is the kind of a prayer that will make God to lies on his throne. How do you know God? Do you know God? Do you know what God represents? You must pray in remembering what God is, in knowing what God is according to the Bible. You cannot know who God represents if you do not read the Bible. Many of us, we are blank when it comes to prayer because we don't know who God is. That's why we always pray about the things we know about ourselves because they are the things we are suffering from, they are the things we are experiencing. But God knows what we are experiencing. God knows what we are suffering. God knows everything about us. So our prayer should not be telling God what he knows about us. A perfect prayer is not telling God about what we are experiencing, about what we are lacking, about what we are suffering. But a perfect prayer is to tell God who he is, is to tell God, is to let God know that we understand him, is to let God know that we know him. Do you know God based on the scriptures? For you to know God, you need to read the scriptures. For you to know God, you need to understand the scriptures. If you read the Bible, if you listen to the Bible, if you read, you listen to the word of God, you will be able to understand who God is. You will be able to understand who God represents. If you want healing, don't ask for healing. Just simply proclaim, simply confess that you are a serving a God who heals. You are a serving a God who is the healer. You are a serving a God who is the blesser. You are serving a God who is above everything, who created heavens and earth and everything in it. You are serving a God who does not lie. You are serving a God who does not fail. You are serving a God whose failure 
is not in him. You are serving a God whose every possibility dwells with him. You must tell God who he is. As you tell God who he is, that means you proclaim your understanding about him. You proclaim your knowledge about him. It is your understanding and knowledge about God that qualifies you to uplift him from his throne, to make him rise on his throne and look at you with favor and look at your situations with favor. Do you know God? How do you play? You need to know him. You need to understand him. And then you need to recall of what he has done upon your life. God has done a lot of things in your life. You need to say them. You need to proclaim them. As he did before, he will do it again. What he did, he will do it again. You know, God does not change. He is a God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. What he did yesterday, he will do it today. What he did today, he will also do it tomorrow. He does not change. So, as you speak what God has done upon your life, that means you are only telling him that can you do it again or not? Can you do it again or not? If you seek healing, what you must speak, you must speak of, of how God healed you. If you want deliverance, speak of how God delivered you in a prayer. If you want blessing, seek of how God blessed you previously. As you speak that, you show your knowledge about him. You show your understanding about him. And you are giving thanksgiving. And in your thanksgiving, it will be like a sacrifice that will raise a certain smell, a tell God that here I am your son here I am I need you also as you did before do it again so a prayer that will make God rise from his throne and look at your life with favor it is a prayer that is filled by knowledge of God that is filled by your understanding of God that is filled with thanksgiving how do you know God how do you treat God what is the knowledge about God in your life. As you know him, that which you know him about, you must proclaim it. You must confess it. In that way, things work in your life. Things will go well in your life. How do you know God? I want to pray for you. May the knowledge about God increase in your life. In the name of Jesus. May the knowledge and understanding of God increase in your life. In the name of Jesus. And I pray, O Lord, that your prayer be filled with the knowledge of God. Your prayer be filled with the understanding of God. In the name of Jesus, I pray for you. May your prayer life, may your prayer time be filled with thanksgiving. It is your knowledge about God, your understanding about God, and the thanksgiving you offer that will make God to rise on his throne and look at your situations with favor. This is the acceptable prayer. This is the prayer that God wants you to offer and in that way you will see God rising in your situation. You will see God lifting himself in your situations. How is your prayer life? I want you to engage a prayer that is acceptable to God. A prayer with the knowledge and understanding of God. Yes, God knows what you are looking for but put them aside. Put them at last. But the first thing you must make God lies. You must make God lies. Be leading the Psalms. Be leading the Bible. In that way, you understand who God is. And you'll be able to pray to God 
with the knowledge about him and with understanding about him. God bless you and I want you to be filled with favors of the Lord, with the light of the Lord. May you shine wherever you go in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you are under the sound of my voice right now, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of our time, let us lead the word for today on 9th January. We are going to read 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verses 1 to 3. When Solomon had finished playing, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the of the Lord filled the temple and the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord saying for he is good for his mercy endures forever when to say amen in prayer and my question to you is do you really finish praying and how do you know that you have finished praying look at what happened with Solomon the Bible says when Solomon had finished playing is when the fire of the Lord came down and then the glory of the Lord followed. Which means you do not you are not supposed to stop playing until you have seen something, until you have you have seen a response or you have held a response from the Lord. Player is a dialogue. That means you speak to God and then you must hear back what God is answering you. You must hear back what the Lord is speaking to your life. And many times we do not give time for the Lord to speak to our life. We only speak our ways and off we go without waiting for answers. Many times we do not really finish playing. We only do one part. We only do the part of requesting to our part, the part of pouring ourselves to the Lord without letting God start speaking to our life. When God has spoken to your life, that's the moment you can say, I have finished playing. That's the moment you can say, Amen in prayer. Don't stop praying until you have seen something from the Lord, until you have heard something from the Lord. Solomon finished playing and then what happened is that fire of the Lord came down from heaven and then the glory of the Lord filled the place. That means something happened after Solomon had finished playing. Do you finish playing? If you finish playing, 
what do you see at the end of prayer or what do you hear at the end of prayer what really characterizes or what really qualifies you to say you have finished praying you have finished praying if you have seen something from the lord if you have heard something from the lord for fire of the lord to come down from heaven remember fire comes for a sacrifice so if there is no sacrifice in your prayer there will be no fire from heaven coming down and after fire glory comes glory follows the fire and fire comes for a sacrifice is there any sacrifice in your prayer your prayer turns into a sacrifice if you give it more time more time on your knees is a sacrifice more time in your prayer is a sacrifice and that sacrifice is what the fire of the lord comes down and consume the sacrifice do you really give a sacrifice in your prayer your time you are more time in prayer that is a sacrifice how much how much time do you give in prayer many times you only pray when you say ah i want to sleep let me pray a bit ah i want to eat let me pray a bit such kind of prayer cannot bring god down and intervene in your situation such kind of prayer cannot bring the glory of god but it is a prayer that comes with a sacrifice that is a prayer that brings down the heavenly fire and then the glory of the lord follows the fire how are you praying is there any sacrifice in your prayer are you giving more time to your prayer when we read the bible in luke chapter 6 verse 12 the bible says jesus prayed all night Jesus prayed all night. It means he gave much of his time unto prayer. And no wonder the prayers of Jesus could come with so much manifestations from the Lord. When we read in Luke chapter 9 verse 29, the Bible says as Jesus was praying, his appearance changed. There was a transformation. and whatsoever he he was dressing there was a certain appearance a certain whitening a certain lightening to the whatsoever he was wearing the bible says whatsoever he was wearing was shining so bright so it was a transformation transfiguration just because of prayer that means something started changing something started coming up why because of prayer you are not supposed to stop prayer don't say amen until you have seen something extraordinary happening until you have seen something miraculous happening around where you are praying you must hear something that really lord is responding something to my life don't stop praying until you have seen something until you have seen a response from the lord when we the matthew 6 verse 40 the bible says this was jesus when he went to the mountain to pray with simon james and andrew he told them that stay here as i go there and pray myself and he says be playing but when he came back he found them sleeping and then he said what are you doing can't you keep with me for just an hour can't you keep with me for just an hour it means an hour for jesus is just a minimum 
for someone to really pray for someone to really pray and see the transformations and see the transfigurations and really see an answer from the lord yes you can take few minutes to manifest jesus to manifest the heavenly operations by then an hour is good enough for someone to be praying as we lead in this verse how much time do you pray you must start with a little time if you pray today five minutes pray five minutes tomorrow and then pray 10 minutes and then pray 15 minutes and then with the grace they will be increasing up up until you can pray for an hour and even more that's 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 the time you enjoy the manifestations of the lord in prayer in prayer you really need to keep yourself there you need to stay in a place of prayer more more time in a place of prayer and i pray for you may there be that place to stay more in a place of prayer it doesn't matter you are praying the same things within that one hour it doesn't matter when we read matthew chapter 26 verse 44 the bible says jesus prayed three times but he prayed the same things which means you can be playing the same thing but if you are repeating it for a longer period it is fine and the bible says he who knocks frequently the master will soon come and bring whatsoever he wants or she wants why the persistent prayer if you keep on praying the same thing for a longer period of time it is necessary you get your answer just because of your persistence you will receive your blessings because of your persistence stay more time in prayer many times we do not receive from god just because we do not give him time to speak back to us we do not give him time to bring his manifestation upon our life we just speak our part and then we lash closing a prayer and we leave we go away from that environment prayer but the bible says stay stay in a place of prayer and may that place to stay in a place of prayer be upon your life in the mind of jesus may you be in a place of prayer for longer periods may the May the good Lord grant you the grace to stay in a place of prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you. This has been your light for today. And may you shine like never before. Shining better than you were yesterday. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you are under the sound of my voice right now, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of our time, let us lead the way for today. We are going to lead Hosea chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. She doesn't realize it was I who gave her everything she has the grain the new wine the olive oil I even gave her silver and gold 
but she gave all my gifts to Bar. But now I'll take back the lipened grain and new wine. I generously provided each harvest season. I'll take away the wool and linen clothing. I gave her to cover her nakedness. Our text today is the cost of dishonor. The cost of dishonor. What happens when you dishonor God? Or what happens when you dishonor someone? Look at what God was speaking about the Israelites. He spoke in a parable, in a form of an adulterous woman. But he was speaking of the Israelites. He said they do not realize that whatever they have they received from me and they kept on giving what i gave them they kept on giving it to the devil himself they gave to bar this is what we really need to learn for today we also are like this Many of us, whatsoever we have, the intelligence, the education, the job, the family, the marriage, whatsoever we have is from God. And then we forget that whatsoever we have is from God. When we read 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7, the Bible says, what do you have that you have not received? It means that everything we can show, everything we have, comes from God. So if it comes from God, that means we don't need to be boasting all what we have, we have received from God. So if we have received from God, then what we are supposed to do is to honor Him that has granted us the opportunity to have that which we have. The question is, how do we honor God? with the possessions he has given us how do you honor god with the life he has given you how do you honor god with the job he has given you how do you honor god with the businesses he has given you do you take something out of your business and give to god do you get your tithe and give to god do you get your tithe from your job from your businesses combined and then you give to god the Bible says you can honor God through giving. When we read Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9, the Bible says honor the Lord with your wealth. Meaning that with what the Lord has given us, we are supposed to honor Him. We are supposed to bring back that which He has given us and give that to God. But many of us, we forget. We do not give tithe to God. We do not give thanksgiving to God. We do not give any kind of an offering to God. We just live and we think life is by chance. And we think whatsoever you have, you have them by chance. I want to tell you that whatsoever you have is from God. And the failure to bring something to God that is dishonor and when you dishonor what comes is a loss the bible says i'll take back 
whatsoever I gave her. Why? Because he has, she has dishonored me. You have dishonored God if you do not give back that which has given you. If you do not give your tithe, you do not give your thanksgiving. That means you are not honoring God. And for not honoring God attracts something big, something serious. Not honoring God means you are saving another God. That is idolatry. And for that, you lose everything God has been giving you. Many of us are in problems just because whatsoever God was giving us has closed those doors. Whatsoever doors were opened by God, they have been closed back because after receiving, instead of thanking the same God, we go to different areas. We go to other people thanking them. Where do you go with your thanksgiving? Where do you go with your tithe? Where do you go with what God has given you? Many times we try to comfort ourselves. The Bible says, give to the poor, so I'll give to the poor. Give to the orphans, so I'll give to the orphans. But the question is, whom are you supposed to give back to? As for tithe, you are supposed to give to God. As for the seeds, plant in God's vineyard. As you do that, you get blessed. Don't give in long places. If you give in a place that is that is not where God wants you to give, that means you don't get any blessing. When we read the Bible, in Mark chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus was speaking. People were questioning. The Pharisees were questioning Jesus that look, the oil, the perfume this woman is using on your feet, if it were to be sold, it means a lot of people would have benefited from this money. A lot of poor would have benefited from this money. But Jesus said, the poor you always have. This is the same thing I can say to you. You always have gaps. You always, you always have people looking for something uh, in your organization, looking for something in your area, in your community. And by then, you'll be able to assist them. But you not have Jesus forever. It is good to focus on first things first. And first thing is Jesus himself. First thing is to dance in the Lord with Jesus. To bring back what he has given us to him. That is the first thing. And then you are able to give to other people. In that way, you are doing the word of God. Where are you giving your thanksgiving? Where are you giving your tithe? Many of us don't know how to tithe, don't know just to give a thanksgiving. We do not give. And this is why our things are stagnant. And this is why our things are not working. Your things are not working because of dishonor. By not giving to God, that means you are dishonoring Him. By not giving something to God, that means it is a kind of dishonor. Dishonor costs your living. Dishonor can take away everything you have amassed in all those years. Do well by honoring God. You honor God if you bring some of that which you receive from Him, you bring it to Him. 
in that way you will be able to honor God and as you honor God you will maintain a blessing upon your life may the good Lord bless you for today Jesus mighty name amen If you are under the sound of my voice right now, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of our time, let us lead the way for today. We are going to lead 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 18. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Our text today is Godly Riches. Godly Riches. What do we mean when we say this person is rich? The richness of this world and heavenly riches are two different things. The world will call someone rich when he has amassed a lot of things, when he has a lot of things in possession. The world counts the things that someone has to say he is prosperous, to say he is rich. Yet, there is a different mathematics as of heaven to show that this one is rich. Prosperity in heaven is not based on what someone has, is not based on what a person has put together, what people can count, is not based on how much someone has in a bank account. But when it comes to prosperity in heaven, it's all about how much one has been able to give out. In heaven, prosperity is not what you have, but what you have been able to give out. How many people are happy because of you. How many people are happy because of your prosperity? How many people are rejoicing because of what you have? How many people are rejoicing because of what you have been able to give them? How much have you given to people? How much have you invested in others? How much have you been able to give others? Heavenly prosperity is based on how much you have been able to give others. When we read the Bible in Matthew chapter 6 verse 20, the Bible says, Do not store your treasures here on earth, but keep them in heaven where thieves cannot plague and steal. What does the Bible say? The Bible means to say your treasures 
should be kept in heaven by your heart of giving, by your heart of filling soul with others, by your generosity to help others. In that way, you are not storing up things for yourself. As you are giving others, that means you are storing up those things in heaven and thieves will not break. Whatsoever you have given, you have been blessed. Whatsoever you have given out, that one is like a seed. There is a heavenly harvest. There are riches in heaven because of what you have been able to give. People may see you poor. People may see you not having anything. Yet you are rich. People may see you having little, may see you suffering, may see you having nothing, yet you are rich in heaven. Your riches are what you have been able to give out, not what you are currently holding, not what you are currently keeping. Many of you cannot receive a blessing because of what you cannot release. What you cannot release is hindering you from realizing, is hindering you from your breakthrough. What you cannot release is hindering you from your prosperity, is hindering you from your riches. The day you choose to start releasing out, the day you choose to start giving out, is the day you are going to see yourself manifesting in prosperity, manifesting in riches. Heavenly riches are like the things you have been able to give out. That which you give out, those are your riches. God looks at what you give comparing with what you have, not just the amount you have been able to give out. God's calculation is based on the fraction, not the real amount. How much are you giving out compared with what you have? When we read Proverbs chapter 22 verse 1, the Bible says a good name is better than great wealth. A good name comes after good deeds. A good name comes after your generosity, comes after your giving heart. As you are able to give out, as many people are rejoicing because of your prosperity, as many people are rejoicing because of what you have, you carry a good name and it is a good name that is qualified more than a great wealth. You are prosperous if you are able to give out so much to others, if you are able to invest in the life of others, you have been called to invest in others. You have been called to freedom and also invest in others in love. How much are you investing in others? How much are you able to give others? The Bible says, if you are rich, if you are prosperous, do not attach yourself to the things of this world, the things God has given you, but make sure you are able to give out. Make sure you are filled with good deeds. You are filled with generosity, ready to give, ready to assist, ready to plant your prosperity in heaven and not here on earth. As you choose to give, your prosperity turns into a heavenly thing, 
turns into a kingdom thing and that one you'll see it if you get to heaven you are prosperous if you are able to give out i want to encourage you today if you have something if you are prosperous if you are rich make a decision that i'll be a giver make a decision that i'll assist the poor i'll assist the widows i'll assist those who are struggling and as you do that you are piling up heavenly riches heavenly prosperity may you shine wherever you go may you be favored wherever you go in the mighty name of jesus may you start piling up heavenly riches and not earthly treasures in the mighty name of jesus god bless you and this has been your word If you are under the sound of my voice right now, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of our time, let us lead the way for today, January 12. We are going to lead James chapter 1 verse 27. James chapter 1 verse 27. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you through religion through religion what is your religion many people focus on the name of a religion without the true fruits of a particular religion there is what we call a true religion better focus on a true religion than the name of a religion you are under or following The Bible is directing us today is teaching us today that there is a true religion there is a character for a true religion there is a fruit of a true religion there is a religion that is acceptable in heaven and that religion that is acceptable in heaven practices basically two things number one is a religion that looks after the orphans and looking after the widows and apart from that is a religion that makes sure that is not corrupted by the things of this world not to be corrupted by the things of this world means being doers of the word means staying away from sin so there are basically two things we can see saving others in love here and then making sure that you are also saved making sure that you are also doing the word of god making sure that you are not being corrupted by the things of this world so it talks of salvation and then saving others in love when we read the bible in galatians chapter 5 verse 3 
verse 13, the Bible says, Everyone has been called mainly into two. Number one, you have been called to be free. But the Bible says, you must not be free selfishly. In other ways, that you are free does not mean you should just be free for yourself. But you must use your freedom to save others in love. So that is like a second goal. First, one has to be free. That means free from sin, free from the attachment to this world. Once you are free, you must exercise that freedom in in saving others in love. So saving others in love is what we are seeing in this text of today. You are saving others in love if you are able to assist those who are in distress, those who are poor, those who are orphans and are helpless, those who are needed. If you are helping them, that means you are saving someone, you are saving others. And if you are able to help those who are widows, that means you are also saving others. As you do that, that that's what we call true religion. And apart from that, the Bible says if you resist sin, if you resist the devil, if you do not attach yourself to the things of this world, that means you are able to do that which the true religion requires. Basically, two main things. You have to save others and then you yourself have to be free. Have you been freed? Are you free? Are you doing the word of God? Are you resisting sin? Are you refusing sin in your life? Are you taking sin to be away from you in this life? If you are doing that, that's what we call true religion. That's the true religion God wants. That's the religion the heavens approve. That you must be able to give others. You must be able to help others. You must be able to save others. You must be able to care for the sick, to care for those who are needed, to care for the poor, to care for those elderly, to care for those widows. If you are helping those people, that's what we call true religion. Mainly, you have been called into two. First is your salvation. You have been called to be saved. Have you been saved? You have been saved if you are doing the word of God. You have been saved if the Holy Spirit dwells inside your heart. And remember the Holy Spirit comes inside your heart when you listen to the word and you start doing the word. Once you start doing the word, that means the Holy Spirit dwells inside your heart and that qualifies you to be a saved person. You need to be saved before you can start saving others in love. When you have been saved, you will be able to save others in love. Are you saving others? How much more are you investing in others? Are you investing your time in other people? Are you investing your resources in other people? Are you investing what God has given you in other people? Are you able to give others? Check your track record of giving. Check your track record of generosity. Check your track record of doing good things to others. You have been called to do things to others. You have been called to be kind 
to other people. You have been called to invest your time and resources to other people. How much are you investing in the lives of other people? This should be your question. It's not just about you being saved. It's not just about you knowing Jesus. It's not just about you having the Holy Spirit inside your heart. But what about others? What are you doing with other people? What are you doing with those who are around you? May the good Lord bless you and wherever you may go, I pray that you will shine like never before. Shine better than you were yesterday. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you are under the sound of my voice, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of our time, let us lead the way for today. We are going to read 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 5. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They trusted God and accepted the authority of their husbands. Our text today is the beauty of the woman. We see in our text the Bible is teaching us that the women of old made themselves beautiful. How did they make themselves beautiful? The Bible says, one, they trusted God and accepted the authority of their husbands. Let us look at the first point here. They trusted God, meaning that their trust wasn't in their husbands, but their trust was in God, meaning that they spend more time with God. They spend more time listening with God and not listening with a human being. In marriage as a husband has laws and the wife as well has a lot to play. And in this Bible, we see the law of a woman. What is the law of a woman? If a woman is doing that particular law, we'll see that marriages will be going on fine. If two in a marriage are moving in their laws, are doing their laws, there will be harmony in marriages. Things will be working well in marriages. Things are not going on well in so many marriages because we have diverted from our laws, from our biblically given laws. In our today's message, we are going to deal with the law of a woman in a marriage. What is the law of a woman for a marriage to be as beautiful? Our text is the beauty of a woman. And then the beauty of a woman is seen by doing her own law in a marriage. What is the law of a woman in a marriage? The Bible is telling us that they first trusted God and then they submitted themselves to their husband, meaning that they accepted the authority of their husband. To accept the authority of your husband, that means you have submitted. The moment a woman says, I love you, a man describes that kind of a love in three ways. Number one, he looks at submission. Does this woman submit to me? Number two, 
he looks at honor does this woman honor me and number three, he looks at respect does this woman respect me the love of a wife to a husband is not good cooking is not taking warm water and live in a bathroom for your husband is not cooking well yes it is good to cook well it is good to dress well and look beautiful it is good to to take care of a husband in terms of cooking well in terms of uh, preparing bathing water making that water to be warm those things are good but mainly the husband doesn't look at those things when a wife says i love my husband the husband looks at that love in three dimensions he first analyzes the submission does this woman submit to me and then he analyzes honor does this woman honor me and then he analyzes respect does this woman respect me so the law of a woman in a marriage is in three ways has to submit to a husband has to honor her husband and has to respect her husband the moment you see problems happening inside a house the moment you see problems coming in a marriage first you have to analyze these things am i doing my law correctly am i submitting to my husband am i honoring to my husband am i respecting my husband when these things are intact then all is well if there are some problems that means you have to look in the other dimension that's why the bible says the women of old trusted their god the moment you see that you are doing everything and then you see there's a problem in a marriage then you must trust god more to trust god more is to speak more to god himself and not your husband is to spend more of our time with god in prayer 15 minutes to two hours don't just be talking don't just be speaking but you must be with the lord in prayer asking him what is wrong with my marriage what am i supposed to do what is happening if there are so if there are some attacks what do i need to do that means you have to wage war against the attacks from the camp of an enemy what does it mean to submit to submit is to give up that means you say i come to you i'll do what you tell me to do there are some things as a woman you might have been doing when you were with your parents you might have been uh, walking into when you were with your parents for example the dressing there is a certain dressing you used to dress when you were with your parents but when you come to your husband it is that moment you say here i am i am going to put on the clothes you want me to put on if you don't want me to be putting on these things that means i'll have to stop it that's what we call submission i used to uh to come home this time but if you say i must be home by this time i'll submit i'll start doing it that's what we call submitting submitting is to give up your your desires is to give up what you usually do just to suit what someone 
wants you to be doing. That's what we call submitting. It's like giving up. It's like I'll do everything you say I must do. As a wife, you must do everything that your husband tells you you must do, except if it is a sin. If it is a sin, then you must not do it. Why? The Bible asks the husband to be the head of a family as Jesus is the head of the husband. So every husband must be under the authority of Jesus. So to be under the authority of Jesus means not to tolerate any sin. So if you are not to tolerate any sin, that means you are not going to allow someone to do any sin by submitting unto you. So, everything that your husband asks you to do, if it is not a sin, then just do it. That's what we mean by submitting. Submitting is something uh, difficult. It's something that makes you to be small. And many people really would not like to submit. But the Bible says, if you want your marriage to work well, you just have to submit. You must do that which your husband wants you to do, that which your husband wants you to be dressing, that which your husband wants you to be doing. Sometimes it can be even a church. When you were with your parents, you used to go to a certain church. But when your husband says, now start going to this church, that means you have to submit. That means you have to do that which your husband asks you, you must do, provided it is not a sin. Each time your husband asks you to do something, ask yourself, is it a sin? If it is not a sin, then you must do it. The moment you rebel, the moment you do not do that which he asks you to do, that's the moment you start bringing problems in your marriage. That's the moment you start bringing conflicts in your marriage. Some marriages today are not going on well just because children are receiving directives from their parents. Parents are leading marriages of their children. Why there are many problems in the marriages today. It is not good. What is honor? To understand honor, we are also going to put it in three ways. When a woman says, I love my husband, it means I honor my husband. What is honor? Honor, the first step of honor is to recognize that which your husband represents. If you recognize that which your husband represents, if you understand that which your husband represents, you must then celebrate it. And then after you have celebrated it, you must be able to uh, reward it. That's what we, uh, we call honor. What are we talking about? Your husband is not just uh, a business person. He's not just uh, uh, a nurse. He's not just a policeman. He's not just what kind of a job he is doing. But your husband is also what God created him to do. There is a particular way that God instructed your husband to do. And if you recognize that work and then you you celebrate it and reward it, the better for you. That's what we call honor. Remember when we read Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, the Bible says a woman is there to be 
like a helpmate to a husband. A helpmate for what? When we read verse 15, the Bible says, man was placed in a garden to take care of it, which means the work of a man is being in a garden, to take care of a garden. And every creation, every man has his own garden. So to honor your husband is to recognize his own garden. What is his own garden? What is the garden God has placed him to do? If you recognize that which your husband has been called to do, that which your husband has been assigned divinely to do, if you recognize it, the Bible says you must celebrate it. The first step is to recognize if you recognize it, that's what we call honor. Many wives today do not recognize that which their husbands have been divinely assigned to. If you do not recognize that which your husband has been divinely has been divinely assigned to, you will fail to honor him. You can only honor your husband if you recognize that which he represents in a society, that which he represents in a community, that which he represents in a world at large as his earthly assignment divinely. What was your husband assigned to do? Do you recognize it? And after you have recognized it, do you celebrate it? Do you reward it? You have to celebrate it and you have to reward it. That's what we call honor. And that's what we call love. You love your husband if you are able to submit and if you are able to honor, to honor him. You are honoring him if you are recognizing what he represents. To recognize what he represents and to celebrate it is to make sure you do that which you are invited to do. Many marriages today are being destroyed because of dishonor, are being destroyed because of lack of submission. If as a wife you say you love your husband, that shall mean submitting to him and honoring him. And lastly, it is respect. Do you respect your husband? For you, to know that you are respecting your husband. I just want you just to compare what you do to him and that which you do to your own father at home. How do you treat your father at home? Usually, we ladies or we women who respect our own fathers. And in the same way you respect your own father, you must respect your own husband. Just put images in yourself. How do you treat your father at home? when it is lunchtime? How do you treat your father when it is supper? How do you treat him? How do you prepare his food? How do you put uh, the food on the table? And how do you do it with your husband? You need to respect your husband as if is your own father. Your husband is like your master. Your husband is like your own father. And you have to respect him the same way you would respect your own father. Remember, when a woman says, I love my husband, it is not just a good preparation of food. It is not just being dressed well. It is not just uh, cooking well 
or uh, preparing warm water for the husband to take a bath is not just that it means submission your love for a husband means submission your love for a husband means honor and your love for a husband means respect you are submitting if you are doing everything your husband asks you to do that is what we call submission if it is not sin whatever your husband asks you to do you must do it and honor means recognizing what your husband represent you must recognize that which he represent you must celebrate it and you must reward it that's what we call honor and then it, when it comes to respect you must respect him just as you respect your own father before you do anything to your husband ask yourself will i do this thing to my own father why your husband is your own father your husband is your master you have to follow biblical principles in loving your husband if you want no problems in your marriage then you must you must follow your laws according to the bible understand your law as a woman it is to submit it is to honor and respect your husband if you do these things i tell you you will see your marriage being so beautiful things working on well god bless you and may this light you have carried in this teaching be upon your life may you shine like never before in jesus mighty name we pray amen if you are under the sound of my voice just know your light has come and your life will never be the same without wasting much of your time let us lead the way for today we are going to read 1 peter chapter 3 verse 7 1 peter chapter 3 verse 7 in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives treat your wife with understanding as you live together she may be weaker than you are but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered the love of the husband we previously talked about the law of a wife in a marriage why are we learning about this many times when we have problems in marriages problems are coming just because one or both in a marriage are not doing enough according to their laws there are laws in marriages there's a law for a husband and a law for a wife yesterday we looked at the law of a wife and we learned that a wife must love her husband in three ways must submit must honor and then must respect the husband and today we would want to see what must be the law of a husband so that marriage really works the way god wants it to work in the verse we have just read we see that 
the husband must treat the wife as a weaker vessel in understanding. He must dwell with her in understanding. Why is the Bible teaching us this way? When we read uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, the Bible talks of the love of a husband. He says, husband, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. Meaning that for us to understand the law of a husband, for us to understand the love of a husband to a wife, we need to understand how Jesus loved the church. In other words, a man cannot be able to love his wife if he has not submitted to Jesus. The Bible says, Husband, you are the head of the family just as Jesus is the head of a church. And the husband is the head of a wife just as God is the head of Jesus. As a husband submits to Jesus, that means a wife will also submit to a husband. A wife will not be able to submit to someone who has not submitted to Jesus. The law of a husband is to love the wife, but must love the wife in a way that Jesus loved the church. So it is very difficult for a husband to love the wife if he doesn't know how Jesus loved the church. That's why it is important that a husband must submit to Jesus, must understand who Jesus is, must understand how Jesus submitted to the Father, must understand how Jesus loved the church. And in that way, the husband will be able to love the wife. Did we as Christians, the then Gentiles, pray to God that please save us? Did we climb the mountain to ask for forgiveness? Did we climb the mountain to ask for salvation? The Bible says it is by grace. It took God himself. It took the love of God to let his only son die for us. So it was a sacrifice. It was unconditional love. It just took Jesus to die for us so that we can be saved. There can be some problems in marriages to the point that you don't know where to start and you don't know whom to start. And the Bible here is teaching us that as the head of a family, at the head of the marriage, you must initiate. Jesus initiated salvation. Jesus loved the church. You must also love your wife. How? By initiating whenever there are some difficulties. That means you will not wait for your wife to submit. You will not have to wait for your wife to honor, but you must just start loving. You must just start sacrificing some of the things just to accommodate her. You have to accommodate the things she wants to be accommodated to. That's how Jesus loved the church. The question is, how do you love your wife? The Bible says you must love her with understanding, considering her as a weaker vessel, meaning that you wouldn't expect a wife to be perfect always. 
Why? Because the Bible says you must dwell with her in understanding. Why? Is a weaker vessel. You must regard your wife as if is your first daughter. So, as a first daughter, as a child who is a first daughter, you wouldn't expect her to be perfect always. Would you expect your daughter to be perfect? By the fact that she is a daughter, that means there will be gaps. And the Bible says you must be there to understand those gaps. You must be there to dwell with those gaps. That's what we call love, the love of a husband. How do you love your wife? You cannot love your wife if you have not submitted to Jesus. Many marriages are a problem because husbands have not submitted to Jesus. Husbands are not doing it the way Jesus did it. Husbands are the head, meaning that as they learn from Jesus, they must teach their partners. But look at what is happening today. When you go in churches, you will find mostly women. Now, when even if women are learning, are they going to implement that which they have learned? husband is the head of the family so as the head initiate as the head establishes as the head implements now how can uh, someone who has learned something out there implement while he is not the head it becomes very difficult for women by then that the same people who are mostly in churches today they learn good things but they fail to implement them why the people who are supposed to implement things are doing nothing. So marriages are not going to operate well if men, if husbands are not submitting to Jesus. So the first thing you need to do as a husband is to submit to Jesus, is to be under the authority of Jesus. If you are under the authority of Jesus, you are then going to be able to love your wife just as Jesus loved the church. You must love her just as Jesus loved the church. And for you to know how Jesus loved the church, that means you have to submit to Jesus himself. You have to be under the authority of Jesus himself. You have to be doing the word of God. You have to submit yourself to the word of God. In that way, you will know how Jesus loved the church. He loved the church sacrificially. That means had to sacrifice his own life to save the church. You must be also be able to sacrifice your own time for the sake of your wife. You must also be able to sacrifice your own manners for the sake of your own wife. You must also be able to sacrifice your own agendas for the sake of your wife. That means you must put your wife to be first and then in the rest to be second. Even the things you desire, even the things other people want, that means your wife must always be first. That is the love of a husband. When a husband tells a wife that I love you, the wife also receives that I love you in a different way. For a wife, I love you shall mean does this person appreciate me? Does this person recognize what I do? How do you reward her cooking? How do you reward her doings? How do you reward her taking care of children? You appreciate her. Do you say, this is good, my wife? Do you say, I have bought this because of what 
you have done to my children because of what you taught my children that is rewarding you must also honor a wife and to honor a wife is to recognize that what she does is to recognize that what she cares most about is to recognize her efforts how do you recognize her efforts if you recognize her efforts do you celebrate those uh, efforts do you reward those efforts how do you reward them what is the last time you bought a gift for your wife what is the last time you bought something for her what is the last time you say thank you for the good cooking what is the last time you said thank you for what you are doing to my children this is what i have bought this is what i have done that means your love as a husband is also honoring her is also recognizing celebrating what she does what she represent in that way you see her operating in the way you want her to operate for a wife to submit it will not be very difficult if a husband loves the wife if you love your wife it will not be difficult for her to submit to honor and to respect you so the first thing you need to do is to love her the way Jesus loved the church submit to Jesus so that you can understand how Jesus loved the church this has been your light for today and i just want you to pray that may this light be upon your life in the mighty name of Jesus may you keep on shining may you keep on being favored in the mighty name of Jesus god bless you till we meet again in our next teaching amen If you are under the sound of my voice just know your light has come and your life will never be the same without wasting much of our time let us lead the way for today we are going to read Haggai chapter 1 verse 6 You have planted much but harvested little you eat but are not satisfied you drink but are still thirsty you put on clothes but cannot keep warm your wages disappear as though you are putting them in pockets filled with holes our text today is the cause of unproductivity you might be experiencing unproductivity in your life you might be planting seeds but no harvest You might be eating in your life but you cannot see yourself getting even fat. You can be receiving a lot of money and yet you see nothing happening. You might be doing businesses, you might be doing this, this and that, but still you cannot see your life prospering. You cannot see your life taking another step. What could be the problem? The message of today, God was speaking to the Isas through the prophet Haggai he said these people their life is unproductive just because they are selfish they are doing things just 
looking at themselves. They are not thinking outside the box. If they eat today, they do not consider what others are eating. They can be eating here, but maybe their neighbors are not eating. That means they are selfish. They are not considerate. They are only considering their own houses, not considering about other people, not considering about my house, the house of God. That means they are doing more about themselves and nothing in the house of God. When you start doing something in the house of God, when you start doing something in the kingdom of God, you will see yourself becoming productive again. Your unproductivity is as a result of not doing anything in the kingdom of God. Your unproductivity is as a result of not honoring God himself. When we read the Bible in Proverbs 3 verse 9 to 10, the Bible says, Honor your God with the prosperity he has given you, with the wealth he has given you, with the possessions he has given you. When you give back to God, you are honoring him. And when you honor God, he also Appreciates you. He also protects you. He also guides you. That means your money are protected. Your businesses are guided. Everything you start, God fulfills it. Why? You honor Him. But without honoring God with your prosperity, with the wealth He has given you, it's like putting God aside and then you will be eating as if you are not eating. You will be planting as if you are not planting. You will be having money as if you are not even working. Why? Because you are selfish. You are only looking at things on your own perspective and not seeing God in everything you do. The Bible today is teaching us that we must make a decision that no, 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 no. My unproductivity could be as a result of being selfish. I'm not doing much in the kingdom of God. I'm not giving in the kingdom of God. The house of God is laid without anything. While I am just building my own, I'm just eating my own without considering others. Many times our things are not going on well just because you are not honoring God. You are not honoring God if you are not able to give tithe to God, if you are not able to give thanksgiving to God, if you are not able to give support to His church, if you are not able to support the kingdom of God. When did you last tithe? When did you last uh, give something as a thanksgiving to a man of God? When did you last thank God for what He has done to you? In that way, you may start experiencing your things going down. You may start experiencing your things not working. Why? There is dishonor. Dishonor is the cause of unproductivity. You are not going to uh, to be productive. You are not going to be fruitful in this life if you dishonor someone, if you dishonor God. You must always honor. You must always honor the people who are uplifting you. You must always honor the people who are teaching you. You must always honor the people who are mentoring you. You must always honor the people who are investing something in your life. How do you honor the people who are teaching you? How do you honor the people who are mentoring you? How do you honor the people who are educating you? How do you honor the people who have invested much of their time upon your life? 
honor means spending with what you have with the people who represent something to our life with the people who are changing our life you need to honor god with your possession you need to honor god with what god has given you where have you put your treasure where are you putting your prosperity where are you putting your wealth do you honor god with what he has given you start tithing today start giving thanksgiving today start supporting the kingdom of god today as you do that god will also be busy supporting you god will also be busy directing you god will also be busy doing something to your life the bible as we did in matthew chapter 6 verse 21 the bible says where your heart is your treasure is where is your heart your heart is on what you put value on your heart is on where you put your money on if god gives you millions of dollars today what are you going to do with it if god gives you a million of dollars today what are you going to do with it what you are going to do with it will show where your heart is is your heart on the things of god what will you consider as first in your life is it just about you or about other people is it just about you all of the kingdom of god the bible today is teaching us that you must focus on putting god first you must focus on putting the kingdom of god first and then yours second in that way you see yourself being productive why when you become busy about the things of god god will also be busy about the thing that concerns your life in that way you again see your life becoming fruitful you again see your life becoming productive your life is not being productive just because you are too selfish just because your agendas are just on you and not on other people and not kingdom focused you must focus your life to the things of this kingdom to the things of god and then in that way you see yourself improving you see yourself glowing may the good lord bless you may he guide you in the mighty name of jesus may this light you have received in today's teaching be upon your life may you shine even more god bless you amen If you are under the sound of my voice right now just know your light has come and your life will never be the same without wasting much of our time let us lead the way for today on 16th January we are going to read from Isaiah chapter 55 verse 1 is anyone thirsty come and drink Even if you have no money come take your choice of wine or milk is all free Our text this morning is buying without any cost buying without any cost Jesus was speaking Are you lacking anything Are you thirsty Do you want anything whatever you want just come to me and then you are going to buy without any money 
it means you don't need any money for you to be satisfied you don't need any money for you to buy that which you are looking for what was jesus trying to speak as much as we have a lot of needs in our life a lot of wants in our life does it mean we we'll just go at the market or we'll just go in a supermarket and grab the things without money is it what jesus is teaching us Jesus wants us to learn something out of here. He says when we go to him, there's something that's going to happen. We are going to purchase things, we are going to buy things without any money. What is going to happen? When we read John chapter 15 verse 2, the Bible says Jesus is representing himself as a vine and we the branches. He says if he, we abide in him what will be happening is that his father the gardener will be pruning our branch so that we bear more fruits what does it mean in this life what we need is to bear fruit a fruit spiritually as well as a fruit physically in your job there must be fruits as you are doing business there must be fruits in your marriage there must be fruits in your education there must be fruits in everything you do jesus wants us to see the fruits but now for those fruits to come that means there is a strategy and a good strategy is that we abide in Jesus because if we are in Jesus what is going to happen is that the father our god is going to be pruning us that means every branch that does not bear fruit he will be cutting them so that we have enough so when the bible says come to me so that you can start buying without any money what is trying to say is that when we are not in him who have a lot of needs in our life who have a lot of wants in our life it's not that what we want is not uh, is not needed it's not that what we need is not needed but sometimes we may need them at the wrong time we may want them at the wrong time you can have money and with that money that same money you want to buy chairs in the house you want to buy a sofa in a house you want to buy a fridge you want to buy a car you want to pay school fees for the for the kids a lot of things but that same amount of money but now you may start doing the things which are not supposed to be done and in that way you are not going to be productive in that way you are not going to bear any fruit so what happens is that whenever you are in Jesus Christ whenever you abide yourself in Jesus you become a branch in him what will be happening is that you will be getting the holy spirit from him each and every day you will be supplied with knowledge you will be supplied with the truth you will be supplied with priorities you you will be focusing on what you are supposed to do the father who is god will be pruning 
thing in us will be cutting away every plan in us that is not worth it at that particular time. Yes. There are some plans we want to do which are not going to be beneficial, which are not going to release any fruit in our life. So what the Father does is that as we are in Jesus, He takes off those plans that is cloning. He takes off those uh, those needs, those wants, so that we only remain with the necessary plans. We only remain with the necessary things which are going to be fruitful in our life. You will see that God says, you will see that you are thinking of not buying a phone. Instead, you say, let me start a business. So, after I've started business, then the profits, I will accumulate them and buy a phone. That means you will not buy a phone. That thinking of not buying a phone, it doesn't necessarily mean you have cancelled the phone off. It, it In spirit, it's like you have already bought that phone. So you become happy, you become satisfied. And with that lead to you have, you become more productive and you start bearing fruits. There can be money. You wanted a fridge. You wanted a sofa in the house. You wanted this, this and that. You wanted a phone. And then the Spirit of the Lord will instruct you that with this money, just start a business. After you have started a business, then use the profits and buy a fridge. Use the profits and buy a sofa. Then you see yourself becoming productive. That you have not bought a sofa. That you have not bought a phone or a fridge. It doesn't mean you have cancelled them. It means you will have them later. And just because you are satisfied that you are going to have them later, it appears as if you have put them in spirit. And because of that, you are not worried. Because of that, you are not bothered. You only focus on the necessary things and then you become productive. Many of us, there is no any fruit we can show out of our job, out of our work we are doing. There is no any fruit we can show in our marriage. There is no any food we can show in our academics. Why? We waste a lot of money in things we are not supposed to. We waste a lot of time in things we are not supposed to. You are doing a business. You are doing your education. But a lot of time you spend doing unnecessary things. So the Bible says, come to me and then you'll be able to do those things without any cost. The moment you decide to stop those things, the moment you decide not to concentrate on those things, it, it is as if in spirit you have done them because you have done away with them. So it's like buying without any cost. I want to pray for you today that may the good Lord help you. May the good Lord grant you the grace to be a branch of the vine, to be a branch of Jesus himself, so that everything that is not necessary in you is cut off by the Father. In the mind of Jesus, may that grace of salvation, may that grace to abide in Jesus be upon your life. In the mind of Jesus, I pray for you. You have a lot of plans for this 2022. You have a lot of things to do in this 2022. May the good Lord direct you so that only necessary plans 
be successful in the name of Jesus. Every plan that is not productive, every plan that will not be fruitful in your life in this 2022, I cut it off in the name of Jesus. May it be cut off in the name of Jesus. Every bad plan you are preparing to do that is not worth it of a fruit you need, may it be cut off in the name of Jesus. May the good Lord bless you with good plans. May the good Lord bless you with a focus. You must focus on only the necessary things in the name of Jesus. May the little money you have be enough as you focus on only necessary things in the name of Jesus. Every activity that has been wasting your time, may it be cut off in the name of Jesus. Every plan that has been wasting your money, may it be cut off in the name of Jesus. When Jesus said, come to me and you are going to buy without any cost, he meant you are going to cut off many unnecessary things out of your life. May the unnecessary things be cut off your life in the name of Jesus. May this light you have taken from this word shine upon your life, shining better than you are yesterday. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you are under the sound of my voice right now, I just want you to know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of our time, let us lead the word for today on 17th January. We are going to read First Peter chapter 4 verse 10. First Peter chapter 4 verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well. To serve one another. Saved to serve. Have you been saved? And the question is, why have you been saved? In our text today, we learn that you have been saved to serve others. Every born again Christian, everyone who calls himself a child of God, present in the house of God, has a spiritual gift, one or more. You cannot be in a house of God without a spiritual gift. God provides a spiritual gift to everyone who accepts Him for the reason of service. The reason you have been saved is that you must save others. When we read Exodus chapter 8 verse 1, God was talking to Moses. He said, go to Pharaoh and tell him this, that he must let my people go. Why? I want my people to save me. Meaning that, you cannot save the Lord while you are in prison. You cannot save the Lord while you are enslaved. Many of you have been enslaved 
due to sin. You are living in sin. You are living in captives. You are living in the camp of Satan. And with that, you cannot serve the Lord. And luckily enough, some of you, God has favored you, has taken you out of that pit, has taken you out of that prison, and now you are a child of God. But the problem is, you are not doing anything in the house of God. What you need to know is that you have been saved to save others. Your first calling as a human being is to receive salvation, is to get saved. And then after getting saved, you need to start walking in the service of another. That is saving others. And you cannot save others without a tool. You cannot build a house without without tools for building that house. This is why God provides spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are like tools. They are there to help you serve the Lord in a better way. So as you become a child of God, as you become a born again, just know that God has gifted you with the spiritual gifts. Just know that God has given you spiritual gifts. Many of us do not recognize our spiritual gifts just because we do not allow ourselves to be in company with other believers. The Bible encourages us to always dwell together with other believers. It is in that unity, it is in that gathering where you can discover what you are supposed to do. You cannot recognize your spiritual gifts in isolation. You cannot recognize the gifts God has given you when you are staying alone. This is why the moment you are in a church, the moment you are in a gathering, you must be there to find a certain gathering you can be with. Your spiritual gifts are like your tools for service. You have to serve God with your spiritual gifts. God wants you to serve Him. When we read Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 20, the Bible says, You are my weapon of war and with you I'm going to smash nations. I'm going to destroy nations. What is God trying to say? God cannot come down and remove the kingdom of Satan here on earth. He created you so that you can help him in removing the kingdom of Satan here on earth. As you discover your gift of playing in tongues, that means you will start walking in that gift. You will start interceding for other people. You will start interceding for your marriage. You will start interceding for your community. You will start interceding for your country. You will start interceding for your friends. In that way, that means you are bringing the kingdom of God wherever you are. And in that way, God will say, you are my weapon of war. Do you realize that you are that weapon of God? Have you discovered the kind of a weapon God has given you? Failure to discover the kind of a weapon God has given you. That's why you are failing to go far in your life. God blesses a person that saves him. 
So you are not just supposed to receive Jesus, but after receiving Jesus, use that love you have received to save others in love. Don't go to a church just to listen, just to receive. You must make a decision that I will go in a place to save others. You must discover the kind of a service God has given you. You must discover the kind of a tool, the kind of a weapon God has given you to save other people. Go to a church to serve. Go to a church to give, to give something, to give your skills, to give your abilities, to give what God has given you, to give your resources, to give your time. Don't go to a church just to receive. You are going to church just to receive is the reason behind your stagnation. Your life cannot go far if all you want is to receive. But God has created you, has designed you to give out something. And you give out something by the gift God has given you. Do you realize the kind of a gift God has given you? Better you recognize it and you start walking in it. The area you do, the area you will see the manifestations of God in your life. God blesses the people who serve him. And you are going to save God when you are free. You are free so that you can save God. Use your freedom to save God. I want to pray for you right now. Whatsoever gift God has given you that is hidden, may it be revealed in the mighty name of Jesus. Every hidden gift in you, I pray that it will manifest in the mighty name of Jesus. God will take you in a place where you discover your gifts in the mighty name of Jesus. You have been saved to save others. May you walk in the service of others in the mighty name of Jesus. May the good Lord grant you the boldness to walk in the service of other people in the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you and this has been your light for today. May you go out there and shine, shining like never before in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you are under the sound of my voice right now, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of your time, let us lead the way for today on 18th January. We are going to lead from Haggai chapter 1 verse 14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Our text today is stirring the spirit for action. Stirring the spirit for action. Many times we do complain. Why is it that the work of God is not going far? Why is it that in our church things are not going the way we want? 
people are not giving. People are not supporting the work of God. What is the problem? We need to know that this same problem was even before. In times of Haggai the prophet, we see that the church, the building of God that was being built, people neglected it and were doing their own things. And there was a problem that the kingdom of God wasn't going the way it was supposed to be going. We hear in the way today that God stirred up the spirit of a certain group of people so that they can start working on the house of God. Now, when we also read in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6, we hear that this was God speaking. He said, it's not by force or by strength. But it is by the Spirit of the Lord. Meaning that for an action to be taken, for something to happen, you are not supposed to force someone. It is not all about force or their strength. It's not just about them having the capability, them having the ability to give, them having the ability to do something. It's not all about that. That's why you see that Wherever you are, there are some people who have everything, who have the riches, who are prosperous, who have the money to support the kingdom of God, who have the money to give in churches. But you see that they are not giving. And you also see that those people who looks like they have nothing, who looks like they have little, they are the same as you, you also see that they are trying their best to give. One can have prosperity, one can have everything but if his spirit has not been stirred up for action, he will remain like that. And this was the problem with the people who were under this prophet Haggai. People were available. People were available to do something in the house of God. People had the spirit of the Lord meaning that they were born again. Remember to have the spirit of the Lord. That means you are a born again. That means you are a Christian. That means you heard the word and you believed. That means you have the spirit of the Lord. By then, for you to start acting, for you to let the spirit start directing you, that spirit of the Lord has to be stirred up. And this is what we are learning in today's word. The Bible says a certain group of people had their spirit stirred up to start doing the work in the church, to start doing the work in the house of God. It can also happen that things are not working in your life. It can also happen that you start doing this and that, but nothing is going on well. It can be that the Spirit of the Lord has not been stirred up in you for a change. The Spirit of the Lord might have not been stirred up for you to do something, for you to rise up, for you to be promoted, for you to be favored. The Spirit of the Lord must be stirred up in your life so that people can recognize you so that people can favor you and i want to pray for you may the lord stir up your spirit in the name of jesus may your spirit be stirred up for action may your spirit be stirred up for favor in the name of jesus may your spirit be stirred up for the direction for guidance in the name of jesus may your spirit be stirred up 
for action, for focus in the things that are necessary in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus, you need the Spirit of the Lord to be stirred up in you so that you can act the way God wants you to do. It is a good thing to give because as you give, you are going to be blessed. But many of us are not giving. It's not just because we don't want to give. It's not just because we don't have. But it's just that our spirit has not been stirred up for action. When we read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 going down there, we hear of the churches of the Macedonians. We hear Paul telling us that these people were stricken by difficulties, by financial difficulties, were stricken by poverty, they are poor. By then, when we look at their giving, they gave more than what we could expect them to give. Meaning that looking at what they had and what they gave, they gave more than what they had. Why? The Bible tells us that they first gave themselves to God. That means there was a grace in their life. There was a grace to give. You cannot just wake up and say, I'm going to give without that grace of giving. What we are lacking today, what we are lacking in Christians, what we are lacking in people is the grace to give. One doesn't just wake up and say, I'm, I'm going to be a giver. You must have that grace to give. It's not just about how much you have. It's not just about how prosperous you are. It's not just about how poor you are. The poor will still give and the rich can as well give. At the same time, the rich cannot give and the poor can also not give. But for you to give all what is needed in the spirit of the Lord to be stirred up in you. The spirit of the Lord when it is stirred up, you will be filled with the grace to give. It is a ministry to give. And all you need in your life is to walk in that ministry of giving. May the good Lord bless you with that grace of giving in the mighty name of Jesus. It's not just about your ability. It's not just about your strength. It is all about the grace of the Lord upon your life. May the good Lord bless you with the grace of giving in the mighty name of Jesus. May your spirit be stirred up for giving in Jesus my name. May your spirit be stirred up to wake in the house of God, in the mighty name of Jesus, may your spirit be stirred up for action that you focus on the kingdom of God, you focus on the things of God, in the mighty name of Jesus, whatever has been holding you in giving, I pray that it be casted out in the mighty name of Jesus, may you walk in the ministry of giving, may you walk in the ministry of helping churches, of helping the poor, of helping the widows, of helping those who are in need in my name of Jesus. It is in your giving where you get blessed. It is in your giving where you get all what you need. May the good Lord bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. It is in your giving where you'll be connected to the people who are destiny helpers, to the people who are supposed to help you. You get contacted with those people through your giving. You get contacted with those people through your works of generosity. May you have that grace of giving in Jesus' mighty name. May the good Lord favor you in the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you as you take a step today to start working in his word, to start working in the ministry of giving in Jesus' mighty name.
If you are under the sound of my voice right now, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of your time, let us lead the way for today on 19th January. We are going to lead Haggai chapter 2 verse 4. But now the Lord says, Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all of you people still left in the land. And now get to work, for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Our text today is strength in the Lord. How strong are you in the Lord? For the work God has given you, for what you desire to do in this year, for what you have started to do in this year, how strong are you? How willing are you to continue? How willing are you to proceed? In our text today, we hear of the people whom God gave them work. But as it appears, it looks like these people had to sit down. It looks like these people had to be delayed somehow. It looks like these people had to be let down somehow. It looks like these people heard some voices that what are you doing? Heard some voices that who allow you to do this? Who allow you to complete this? What do you have? A lot of things were put forward before these people and they were let down and many were thinking of stopping doing the good work of God and many stopped and still others were contemplating when to stop whatever they were doing but look at the Lord the Lord had to encourage them that be strong be strong get back to work why because I am with you it can happen the same way with you there's a lot God has given you, has instructed you to do this year. And you might have started doing those things. You might have laid down the plans. But upon others looking at the plan, they might have spoken a lot. They might have said some things and you are thinking of stopping. And you are thinking of sitting down. And maybe you have already stopped what you started. I want to encourage you. Whatever God started, He finishes it. It is not about you. It is about who instructed you to do it. Every plan you planned for this year, everything you want to do for this year, you are not going to do it because you are working. You are not going to do it just because you have a business. You are not going to do it just because you went to school. You are going to do and complete it just because Jesus is with you just because God is with you. You are going to complete it 
because the one who started it will complete it. It is not just about your power. It is not just about all what you have. It is all about Jesus. It is all about God himself. What he started, he is going to finish. He has never left something that he starts and finished. He will finish and you complete it. So you must be strong. Every plan you planned out this year, you are going to complete it in the mighty name of Jesus. It doesn't matter your financial muscle. It doesn't matter you're not working. It doesn't matter you don't have any business. But believe it that with God, you are going to finish it. Believe it that with Jesus, you are going to complete it. It's all about Jesus in this year. It's about God you need in this year. And with Him, you are going to complete it. Whatsoever you plant, yes, you want to build your house, you are going to build it in the mighty name of Jesus. You want to get a job, you want to start a job, you want to start your business, you have that business in the mighty name of Jesus. You want to plant your church, that is going to be planted in the mighty name of Jesus. You are spiritual growth, you have already laid down the plans to grow spiritually. You have already laid down the plans to do something in the uh, kingdom of God. Those things are going to happen. You are going to do it. It's not just about you. You are not going to do it alone. Jesus is with you. God is with you. And believe it that you are not alone. In the mighty name of Jesus, everything you want to do, it is going to be done, not just because of you. When we read Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6, the Bible says it's not by force, it's not by, by strength, but by my spirit. It means that it is not what you have but it is going to happen by the Spirit of the Lord. You must rely on the Lord. You must trust God for everything to happen the way God wants it to happen. When we read Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 7 to 8, the Bible says, Blessed is he who trusts in the Lord for he is going to be like who? He is going to be like that tree that is planted by the leaves, for it stretches its roots to the waters and it does not even worry about the drought. It does not even worry that it's not learning. It does not even worry that there's too sunny. Why? Because it is planted by the leaves. You are planted by the leaves if you are trusting God. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in what you have. Don't trust in your strength. Don't trust in your job. Don't trust in your business. Don't trust in your knowledge, your wisdom. Your wisdom, your knowledge, your businesses, your work. In this point of the two, they might fail. But with God, you are not going to fail. So you must trust in the Lord. Whatsoever is coming to your life, whatsoever people are speaking back to you, it shall not work. Why? Because you trust in the Lord. You are like that tree that is planted by the waters. Even if there's too much wind, even if some things are coming, you shall still stand. You shall still stand strong. You are planted by the levers. You are planted, you are rooted in the word of God. You are rooted in the word of God and you are being strengthened by your daily prayer. Just trust God. Keep on praying each and every day. Keep on leading the word each and every day. Keep on listening to the word. Keep on following the word. Keep on doing the word. By doing that, you are going to find that strength in the Lord and you shall have trust in the Lord. Remember, trust is built up as you are hearing the word. Faith by hearing the word of God. So keep on establishing yourself in the word of God. Keep on following the word of God. Keep 
on doing the work of God and everything is going to work out for you. you all you need is Jesus. All you need is God himself. Trust him. Everything you have planned out for this year, you are going to fulfill in the mighty name of Jesus. I want to pray for you. May the good Lord favor you with his strength. May the good Lord favor you with the spirit to continue, with the spirit to move on. If you sat down, you shall wake up and continue waiting in the mighty name of Jesus. You are getting back to work. You are getting back to your destiny. You are getting back to your track in the mighty name of Jesus. The destiny God has given you, you are going to wait on it in the mighty name of Jesus. You are going to walk in your destiny in the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you. And this has been your light for today. May you go out and keep on shining in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you are under the sound of my voice right now, I just want you to know that your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of your time, let us lead the way for today on 20th January. We are going to lead from 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind, so that you may play. Our text this morning is a better way to play. We see that the Bible is teaching us this morning, is teaching us today that we need to be alert. We must play with a sober mind. Why is it that we are being encouraged to play? And how must we play a better way? How must we play so that our prayers be answered? When we read Matthew chapter 26 verse 41, we hear Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He was telling them to be watchful and play so that they may counter react to the temptations that come so that they may feel safe so that they may be safe with the temptations that will be coming player helps us to be alert helps us to remain safe whenever temptations come as Christians we are being tempted each and every day why because Satan wants us to be away from the word of God. Satan wants us to be away from the things of God so that we may be in his camp. So that when Jesus is coming, we may fail to go with him. We may fail to enter heaven. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is coming and is coming very soon. And for us to be protected, for us to be in Jesus always. It is only when we are always doing the wait. But each time we are being tempted to do contrary to the wait. And the Bible says, as we play, we prepare ourselves for the temptations. It is player 
that keeps us free from the coming temptations. It is prayer that keeps us ready for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But the question is, how must we play? How must we play a better way so that we are answered? When we read the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15, this was Paul speaking. He said, I pray both in tongues as well as in my understanding. Meaning that a prayer must be given in both in tongues as well as in the understanding. A prayer must be given in spirit as well as in understanding. A prayer that is given in spirit, a prayer that is given in tongues, it is a prayer that is played by the Holy Spirit. So it is no longer a person who is playing, but the Holy Spirit inside that person that is playing. When he is the Holy Spirit playing, you are assured that this player is going to reach the throne of God. You are assured that the player is going to be answered because the Spirit of the Lord knows the exact mind of God, knows exactly what is supposed to happen. So that's why it is good to always play in spirit. But Paul also says it is good as well that someone must be playing in the understanding, must be praying in his own language, meaning that he played both in tongues as well as in his understanding. Why is it important to play in the understanding? It is important to play in our own knowledge because he wants to know if we understand him. He wants to know if we know him. We cannot express our knowledge of God. We cannot express our understanding of God in tongues. Many times, the Lord will answer us. The Lord will rise up and look at us with favor as we pray. When we pray in the understanding, when we pray to show that we understand Him, when we pray to show that we have knowledge of Him. As we read the Bible, we understand God. As we read the Bible, we are filled with the knowledge of God. So, as we express the knowledge of God in prayer, as we express the understanding of God in prayer, we make God to rise up for us. We make God to rise up and answer our prayers and comfort us. And I want to pray for you today. May you be filled with the kind of a prayer that really reaches the throne of God. And the kind of a prayer that reaches the throne of God, it is that prayer that is played in spirit. And it is that prayer that is played, filled with the knowledge of God, filled with the understanding of who God is. Do you understand God? Do you know God? Do you know what He can do? Do you know what the scriptures speak of God? You must play the scriptures. You must play your understanding. God bless you as you make a decision today to start playing the light way. If you are under the sound of my voice right now, I just want you to know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of your time, 
let us lead the word for today. We are going to lead from Hosea chapter 6 verse 6. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Our text this day is the fruit of the Spirit called love. The fruit of the Spirit called love. The Bible says, I want you to show love more than sacrifices, and I want you to know me more than anything else. What is love? And the Bible says, I want you to know me. This is God. And we know God by his messes and by his enduring love. God is love. And the Bible says, I want you to know me. What we know is what we do. But when we look at whatever we are doing, do we really show that we know God? The Bible says, I want you to know me. And we know God by his love. He loved us by sending his only son, Jesus, to die for us, to save us. That's how he showed his love. So, do we also show the love of God to other people? Do we also emulate the character of Jesus as love? The Bible says, I want you to show love. Do we really show love? Or do we know how we can show love? When we read James chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, the Bible says, the same mouth you hear something good something a blessing coming out of that mouth and that same mouth releases also some cases many of us we are using the same mouth of ours to bless people to teach people the word of god to preach the gospel but at the same time we are using the same mouth to case other people. We are using the same mouth to speak bad of other people. We are using the same mouth to destroy relationship of other people. And the Bible says this is not good. How can we show love to other people? Love is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When we read in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we learn that love is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which means if you want to be men and women of love, if you want to be boys and girls of love, that means what we need is not really love, but what we need is the Holy Spirit inside our heart. When the Holy Spirit is inside our heart, it means He will glow and bear the fruit of love in us. 
you mature into the fruit of love inside our life. The fruit of the Spirit is the true character of Jesus. That's why the Bible says, I want you to know me. We know God by his love and we must do that which we know. If God is love, that means we also must be love. So what we need is love and love comes in our life. Love manifests in our life once we have the Holy Spirit inside our heart. The Holy Spirit comes inside our heart once we listen to the Word of God and we believe. To believe means to start doing the Word of God. The moment we start walking in the Word, the moment we start doing the Word, that will mean we have believed. And instantly, our Father, our Heavenly Father, will grant us the gift of the Holy Spirit inside our heart. And is the Holy Spirit whom now bears the fruit of love in us. Do you act in love? Do you have love in your life? You cannot say, I'll be a person of love. You cannot just say, I'll be a loving person. Love is a fruit. And where there's a fruit, there is a seed. All you need is to say, I'll be a man of the Spirit. I'll be a man of submitting to the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit says I must do, I'll do exactly that one. Remember the Bible has been written by the Holy Spirit, which means the moment we start doing the Word of God, that means we are submitting to the Holy Spirit. And as we submit to the Holy Spirit, we will then bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, who is love. All we need is to show the character of Jesus Christ. We have met Jesus. We know Jesus if we are able to show love to other people. We must be people who can lease a blessing to other people and not a case. Who must be speaking good of other people and not bad things. Who must be there to build a relationship and not destroy relationship. Allah really walking in the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible when we read in Hosea chapter 6 verse 2 says, Come back to me. Repent, meaning that we must stop cursing others. We must stop hating others. We must stop destroying other people's relationship. We must stop sinning. We must come back to God and submit to his words. We must start doing the word of God. As we start doing the word of God, it is in that way that will now start bearing the fruit of the Spirit. As we start doing the Word, it will mean the Holy Spirit 
will now dwell inside our hearts. And as the Holy Spirit dwells inside our heart, that will mean we will now bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, who is love. Start doing the word of God today. Have the Holy Spirit inside your heart. And as you have the Holy Spirit inside your heart, you bear the fruit of love inside your life. Love will only manifest where there is the Holy Spirit. Do you have the Holy Spirit inside your heart? It is your time. Start doing the wait, repent, and everything is going to be light with you. And I want to pray for you. May the good Lord grant you his grace of salvation. May the good Lord grant you his Holy Spirit inside your heart. In the mighty name of Jesus. May the good Lord bless you. And may you walk in his light. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you are under the sound of my voice right now, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of your time, let us lead the way for today. We are going to lead from Joel chapter 2 verse 13. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Our text today is true repentance. When we say someone has repented, what do we actually mean? Is it playing in tears? Is it rolling on the floor? Is it tearing the clothes? The Bible says, You must not tear your clothing, but instead tear your hearts. What does it mean? When we read the Bible, we learn that it is inside one's heart where we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells inside one's heart. So when we say someone is saved, someone has repented, that means has received the Holy Spirit inside his heart. If you have the Holy Spirit inside your heart, that will mean you have been saved. That will mean you have truly repented. True repentance does not focus on the outward things. It focuses inside the heart. It focuses the inside being. You have repented if you have changed inside, not changing outside. Many of us, we change our prayer, we change our clothing, we change our movements just to show we have truly repented. And the Bible says, don't tear your cloth. Your fasting is useless 
if you have not changed inside your heart. Your fasting is of no benefit if you are still walking in sin, if you are still not doing the word of God. But God looks at a heart. Has your heart changed? Has the contents of your heart changed? When we read Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, the Bible says, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in it. Meaning that inside one's heart, there must be the Holy Spirit. And you need to know that everyone has a spirit inside his or her heart. The only difference is that the kind of the spirit that is inside one's heart. Some can have an evil spirit and some can have the Holy Spirit. When you have an evil spirit inside your heart, it is a call for you to destroy that heart. It is a call for you to tear that heart, to seek for a new heart. That means a heart that has an evil spirit cannot accept the word of God because the word of God was written by the spirit of the Lord. The author of the word of God is the Holy Spirit. So if you, someone has an evil spirit in his heart, that means he will not accept the word of God. And if he cannot accept the word of God, it means he will not be able to do that which the word says must do. It is important to tear that heart, that stoned heart. The stoned heart is the heart that cannot accept the word of God. That means it has to be teared and receive a new heart that is receptive to the word of God, that can receive the word of God, that can do the word of God. To tear your heart means to accept the word of God. That means is to start doing the word of God. Many of us are not changing the heart. We are not changing inside our heart. We are only trying to change the outward view and that is pretending. We cannot approach God. We cannot have God if we are pretenders. If we are only changing the outward view. True repentance is inside out. We must first of all change the inside, what is inside our heart. That means there must be the new spirit inside our heart. And then it's the spirit that is inside our heart that will now change into the character of Jesus. The Bible says the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. Which means once the Holy Spirit is inside our heart, we will now bear the fruit in a form of love, gentleness, kindness, perseverance. And those are the true character of Jesus. The Bible teaches us to show that we know God. To show that we know Jesus. God is love and Jesus is love. So we show that we know him if we are also portraying love in the lives of other people. So we if we want to show 
that we have truly repented, we must show the character of Jesus and not changing our faces when we play, and not tearing our clothes as we play, and not rolling on the ground as we play. Those are the pretenders. Actual showing that we have repented is showing the true character of Jesus. Is showing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, kindness, faith, goodness, gentleness. How do we treat other people? How do we respond to other people? Those are the things we need to show that we have indeed repented. Have we really repented? We cannot show our true repentance by rolling on the ground. We cannot show our true repentance by playing while in tears. We cannot show our true repentance by tearing our clothes. The Bible says you must tear your heart dead. To tear your heart means to start doing the word. If your heart was not doing the word of God, you must speak it today that from now onwards, I will start doing the word of God. Then in that way, that means you have forsaken an old heart. I want to pray for you today. May the good Lord be with you. May the good Lord grant you his spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. Wherever you go, I pray that you go with the light of the Lord. May you shine in everything you do in Jesus' mighty name. If you are under the sound of my voice right now, I just want you to know that your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of our time, I want us to listen to the word for today on 23rd January. We are going to read Numbers chapter 3 verses 5 to 9 as well as verse 41 then the lord said to moses go forward the tribe of levi and present them to Aaron the priest to serve as his assistants they will serve Aaron and the whole community performing their sacred duties in and around the tabernacle. They will also maintain all the furnishings of the sacred tent, serving in the tabernacle on behalf of all the Israelites. Assign the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They have been given from among all the people of Israel to serve as their assistants. Our text this day is the use and reason to give tithe. The use and reason to give tithe. What is tithe and why do we give tithe? When we again read verse 41, the Bible says the Levites 
must be reserved for me as a substitute for the firstborn sons of Israel. I am the Lord, and the Levite's livestock must be reserved for me as a substitute for the firstborn livestock of the whole nation of Israel. God took the Levites as his own, as a substitute of the firstborn son. Remember, from all the tribes of Israel, God desired the tribe of the Levi. The Levites were set aside as for God. What does it mean to set aside? To set aside as for God means to take something as sacred, to take something as for no one else but for God. In the same way, we have been asked and ordered to take tithe as something set aside for God. Tithe is setting aside every tenth of what you receive from God as for God. That means you reserve every tenth of what you receive to be for God. Of all you have, of all you have received, every tenth of it is supposed to be for God. It is not for you. If you planted some crops and you have harvested ten bags, it means the tenth bag is not yours, is for God. That is your tithe. And those nine are for you. If you are receiving some wages and then you receive ten coins, it means the tenth coin is not for you. It is for God himself, set aside as for God. Now the question is, why do you give tithe? And what use is that tithe? We can only answer this question when we look back at how God used the Levites. As we read the Bible, the Bible teaches us that God did not physically accept the Levites to be used by him. Remember, God is in heaven. And the Levites, the Aaron, the Moses, were here on earth. Now, how did God use the Levites whom he claimed or who, of whom he set aside as his? We hear in the Bible that God instructed Moses to allow the Levites be given to Aaron for what use? That they must support him. They must support Aaron and the whole community. How? They will save the whole community by saving in the tabernacle. Those people will be saving in the tabernacle instead of those people. Which means we must use tithe 
by taking it to a man of God. Aaron was a priest and he was serving in the tabernacle. He was serving on the altar. He was serving in the temple. So the Bible says he must be given the Levites so that they can support him. And now we learn that Levites are symbolizing the tenth of what we are supposed to give God or are symbolizing the tithe we are supposed to be bringing to God. And now it actually means that as we give tithe to God, we are not physically giving God, yet we are bringing to God himself. So it is God himself who takes the tithe and give his priest, giving a man of God who is under your care. The tithe is supposed to support a man of God who is under your care, as well as supporting the temple of God or supporting the church of God. If there are some things lacking in the house of God, that means it is the use of that tithe to as well help in those things. So each time you are giving tithe, just know that you are giving tithe to support a man of God as well as the church. And each time you choose not to give tithe, you are only depriving a man of God from what is allocated to his support. You are actually depriving the church from refurnishing itself, from looking better as it is supposed to be looking. The moment you see a man of God begging, the moment you see a man of God lacking, the moment you see the church is lacking in some of the things, it is not looking nice the way it is supposed to be looking, then you need to ask yourself, are you tithing? Are you giving tithe? It means you must take yourself as a Levite. You must take yourself that you have been set apart to provide for a man of God, to provide for the church. And each time these two do not look good, just know you are not doing something in the church of God. You are not doing something to the man God has put under your care. How is what I think? And as we lead further, we learn that the same tithe, all of the Levites, were not just given to Aaron. The Bible says the Levites were assigned to both Aaron and his sons. And the question is, who are the sons of Aaron? Remember that Aaron was a priest and his sons were also priests, meaning that as Aaron is a priest, that means his sons are also automatically the priest. And the Levites were assigned to both Aaron and his sons, meaning the Levites were assigned 
to whosoever is called a priest. What does this mean to us? It means as a man of God has been sent into a particular assignment. If a man of God has been assigned to teach, that means to those people he teach, he will make them to be teachers as well. If he has been assigned to preach, that means he is going also to make some preachers. If he has been assigned to prophesy, he is also going to make prophets. If he has been assigned to to apostleship, that means he is also going to make apostles. So in other ways, if he is a teacher, that means he will also have teachers. He will make teachers. So as a man of God, that means you also have people who also be ministering under his care. So the Levites were given both to Aaron and those who were ministering under him, who were his sons. And each time you are giving tithe, just know that that tithe has been assigned to a man of God and those who are ministering under him. There are people who are ministering under a man of God. And those people require support. Those people require some wages. Those people need to receive something. And they will only receive if you if they are supported by the tithe from God. As you give tithe, that means you are supporting a man of God. You are supporting the church. And you are supporting those who are ministering under you are man of God. Each time you choose not to give tithe, you are only choosing not to support a man of God, not to support the church, and not to support those people who are ministering under a man of God. It is therefore needed for you as a Christian to always be tithing because you are only honoring God and as you do that, God is going to bless you. God has put it in such a way that as you die, it is then you are also going to be blessed. Each time you are giving, God blesses you. And each time you are not giving, God takes away blessings out of your life. You must give tithe just because you want to be blessed. You must also give tithe just because you are you are doing what God wants you to do so that you support the men and women of God under your care as well as taking care of your church and the people ministering under your pastor. What are you doing in this side of tithing? Are you tithing? Are you giving tithe to the Lord? It's nothing like it is of Old Testament. Old Testament is like an image of the original which is in our presence, of the original which is in the New Testament. The Old Testament is like a prophecy which must be applied in our life. The Old Testament is like a prophecy which was fulfilled in Jesus and must be applied in our lives. 
we must take the old testament as the shadow and the original we are the original and the old testament is that shadow is that reflection we must therefore apply what was in the old testament the revise of the old testament is our tithe today as you give tithe god is assigning that tithe to support the man of god to support your church to support the people ministering under your man of god be a tither today and be blessed and be helpful in the kingdom of god god bless you and i pray that wherever you go may the light of the lord shine over you may you carry the blessing of the lord may you carry favors of the lord in the mighty name of jesus if you are under the sound of my voice right now just know your light has come and your life will never be the same without wasting much of your time let us lead the way for today on 24th january we are going to lead from matthew chapter 10 verses 8 to 10 heal the sick raise the dead cure those with leprosy and cast out demons give as freely as you have received don't take any money in your money belts no gold no silver or even copper coins don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed our text this day is the duty of a man of god and the sheep what is a man of god supposed to do and what are those who benefit from a man of god the sheep supposed to do in our text we hear jesus when he was instructing the apostles the sent one he instructed them that you must go out to preach the word of god you must go out you must heal the sick you must raise the dead you must cure those with leprosy and cast out demons freely you have received and freely you must give don't receive anything now the question is if a man of god is not receiving anything how is he going to be fed how is he going to be supported and the bible is answering us that don't worry about carrying clothes don't worry about taking some money but wherever you go you must be conscious of accepting any hospitality why the worker deserve to be fed in other ways as a man of god is working he is supposed to be fed there is food for someone who is working the moment a man of god 
detects that he is not being fed, he's not receiving any help, the question must be, am I working? Because the Bible has allocated food, has allocated support to those who are working. If you are working, you are going to be fed. So the moment as a man of God, you see that you are not receiving anything, you are not being supported. The first question must be, am I really working? And if you are working, that means there's a problem somewhere. But if you are not being supported and you are not working, that means you must tune yourself for the work of God. You must start doing exactly what God wants you to do. But now, assuming you are working and you are not being supported, then there's a problem. That means the receiving end is not doing anything. The Bible has instructed the beneficiaries of the word, those who are receiving the healing, those who are receiving the ministration of a man of God, those who are being delivered, those who are being healed, they have been instructed to feed and support a man of God. The Bible says, those who work deserve to be fed. My question to those of you, you are being delivered. To those of you, you are receiving the word of God on daily basis. To those of you, you are receiving instruction from a man of God. You are receiving direction from a man of God. You are receiving the word of salvation from a man of God. What are you doing? To the person who is ministering unto you. Yes, the Bible says, give freely because you also have received freely. It is the duty of a man of God. But what about your duty? Your duty is to support him. Your duty is to feed him. And are you doing any support to a man of God? Is there anything you are doing to the person who is supporting you? When we read the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14 the bible says those who preach those who teach the word of god must be supported by the beneficiaries of the word of god you are the beneficiary of so many teachers you are the beneficiaries of the church you go to you are the beneficiary of the teachings of the one teaching you you are the beneficiary of the directions the one directing you what are you doing to those teachers what are you doing to those preachers what are you doing to the church you go to what are you doing to the fellowship you go to do you go there with a support do you go there with a thanksgiving the bible says your duty is to support the one who is ministering unto you. Your duty is to give the one who is ministering unto your life. Don't go to a place of worship empty-handed. Don't go to a man of God empty-handed. As you receive, you must also give. That's what God is teaching us. The moment you just receive and you are not giving, what do you think the man who is teaching you, the man who is preaching you, is going to be fed? The Bible says, give freely because you have received freely. And he's preaching to you, he's teaching to you freely. Where is he going to receive? The Bible says, those who are beneficiaries of 
the teachings they must give those who are ministering unto them. So, which means as they receive those supports, they are also going to be fed. That means that is the wages of their work. They will give freely because they received freely. But they are going to be fed by those who are benefiting from them. You are a beneficiary of the teachings. You are a beneficiary of the preachings. What are you doing to a man of God who is preaching to you? Of all the teachings you have been benefiting, of all what you are receiving, of all what you are benefiting, what are you doing in the kingdom of God? What are you doing to someone who is teaching you, who is preaching to you? Don't make a man of God or a teacher of the word change the teachings, change the word of God just because he needs support, just because he's lacking. We Christians, we are making the men of God to change the teachings our own. We want the men of God to do their part while you don't want to do your part. Your part is to support. Your part is to make sure that the man of God is not in lack. And the duty of a man of God is that he must give freely because he received freely. But as he gives freely, that means the support must come out of you. Don't just go to a man of God to receive. You must go there to give as well. Each time you visit a man of God to receive something, you must each time go there to give something as well. Don't just go empty-handed. This is what the word of God is teaching you. And as you do that, I tell you, you will be blessed. And as you do that, you make your problems to be solved quick and you make the declarations of a man of God to quickly manifest in your life because you are doing that which the Lord wants you to do. What are you doing? When we read in Galatians chapter 6 verse 6, the Bible says those who are beneficiaries of some teachings, they must do good things to their teachers they must support their teachers with something good all the good the bible says all the good things they must do to their teachers what good are you doing to your teacher of the word of the word you have been receiving of the preachings you have been receiving of the directions you have been receiving are you sharing any good to those teachers of yours what good have you shared with them in their birthdays have you sent anything good to them? In their wedding anniversaries, what have you sent to them? What kind of a support have you sent to them? The Bible is teaching you that it is your duty to support your teachers. It is your duty to share the good things with your teachers, with your preachers, with your mentors, with those who are helping you to rise, with those who are helping you to be successful. You must share good things with them. Buy some gifts and give them. Buy something and say, I thank you. Buy clothes for them. Buy something for them. That means you are doing that which the word of God is instructing you to do. It's a two-way benefit. As you benefit from a man of God, a man of God must benefit from you. This is what God desires. Do something. Think of doing something to the people who are 
helping you to succeed to the people who are helping you to go far in life to the people who are directing you make a decision today how much have you given to the people who have given much to your life the teachers you call them teachers preachers spend sleepless nights preparing a lesson just for you spend sleepless night to prepare something just for you what are you doing in exchange what are you doing in appreciation what are you doing just to thank them think twice today don't just receive from a man of god but each time you are receiving each time you are being helped out you must also do something to their life you must also give something to their life each time you are visiting a man of god visit to receive as well as to give something that's what god requires out of you and i want to pray for you today may the good lord fill you with the grace of generosity may the good lord grant you the grace of gratitude each time you receive something from a man of god each time you gain something from god from a man of god you must as well give something to god you must as well give something to those who are ministering unto your life may the good lord grant you enough light may the good lord grant you favors for today in the mighty name of jesus may wherever you go go with the heavenly shining wherever you go go with the favors of the lord go with the light of the lord in the mighty name of jesus If you are under the sound of my voice right now just know your light has come and your life will never be the same without wasting much of our time for today let us lead the way we are going to lead from revelation chapter 1 verse 7 revelation chapter 1 verse 7 look He comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him even those who pierced him and all the nations of the world will mourn for him yes amen our text today is the coming of Jesus the coming of Jesus is in two phases there is what we call rapture and the second coming of Jesus. Rapture and the second coming of Jesus are two different words. When we read 1st Thessalonica chapter 3 verse 16 to 17, we hear more of rapture and the Bible says during rapture Jesus is going to appear in the air. Jesus is going to appear in the clouds. Those who are ready who lies and meet the lord in the air now the question is who is lady are you lady to meet the lord in the air if he appears just now are you lady to meet the lord in the clouds if he appears just now who is that person who is lady Whenever rapture has happened what will happen in heaven 
there will be two most important things. There will be reward giving ceremony at the Bema seat of Christ. People who did well here on earth will receive their crowns for what they did, for winning souls, for being hospitality, for being good to other people, for calling the name of Jesus to several places, to far away throughout the nations, throughout the world. So people will be receiving rewards and then there will be that wedding ceremony, the wedding ceremony of the bride and Jesus. Remember, you are a bride if you are ready for the coming of Jesus. You are a bride of Jesus if Jesus is coming to pick you. And then after those two important ceremonies, the rewarding ceremony and then the wedding ceremony, there will come a point when the brides of Jesus, when the saints will now come down here on earth with Jesus. It is that term, it is that kind of an activity we call the coming of Jesus. The coming of Jesus is when Jesus will be coming with the saints here on earth and rule for 1,000 years. During rapture, Jesus is not going to step here on earth. He is only going to appear in the air. And then, during the second coming, is when Jesus is going to be here on earth and rule for 1,000 years. So, the coming of Jesus is in two phases. First will be rapture. And the Bible says, first there will be the people who died in Jesus. They will be the first ones to rise from their graves and meet the Lord in the air. And then those who are still living and they are in Christ, they will be the ones to meet the Lord in the air. This is a lesson to you that you shouldn't just be asking that Jesus, they say, is coming. Where is he? Time is going. Remember, Jesus is draining for the sake of you. Jesus is draining so that you change, so that your friends change, so that your neighbors change, so that your household change. When you change, when you repent, I tell you, Jesus, you will see him coming. Sometimes you can be waiting for rapture. We can be waiting for the coming of Jesus as in rapture. Yet, you may not be able to see that rapture. But when someone is dying, the question you should be asking yourself is, has this person died in Christ? Has this person died with the Holy Spirit? To die in Christ means to die while the Holy Spirit is inside your heart. You are ready for the coming of Jesus if the Holy Spirit is inside your heart. When we talk of rapture, we mean that time when on this world the Holy Spirit will be living. The Holy Spirit will be living this earth to go where he came from. During rapture, it is that time when the Holy Spirit will live this earth. And those people who have the Holy Spirit are the ones 
who live together with the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit inside your heart? You are ready for the coming of Jesus. You are ready for rapture if the Holy Spirit is inside your heart. The Holy Spirit comes inside your heart once you listen to the word and you believe. If you have listened to the word and you have believed, I tell you, the Holy Spirit dwells inside your heart. To believe means to start doing the word of God. The moment you decide that from now onwards, I will start doing the word of God, it is instantly the Holy Spirit dwelling inside your heart. I want you to make a decision today that I'll start doing the word of God. I want you to decide today that I want the Holy Spirit to dwell inside your heart. Remember David in Psalms 51, he prayed that Lord do not take away the Holy Spirit from me. Meaning that the Holy Spirit is very important. Is the Holy Spirit who identifies you that you have been saved and who identifies you that at the last day you will be picked and meet the Lord in the air. Are you having the Holy Spirit inside your heart? Are you ready for the coming of Jesus? If Jesus appears today, are you going to be picked? Are you going to meet him in the air? You are ready for the coming of Jesus. You are ready for rapture if the Holy Spirit is inside your heart. Make a decision today that from now onwards, I will start doing the word. Once you make that decision, and then our Father who sees inside somebody's heart, confirm that indeed what you have decided, you have really committed to something in truth. I tell you, he is now going to take his spirit and put inside your heart. The Holy Spirit does not come inside your heart with a man of God. It is only God who can bring the indwelling Holy Spirit inside your heart. May the grace of salvation be upon your life. May the grace of salvation be in your life. Not just you, but even your friends, even your family members, even your entire household. In the mighty name of Jesus, may this light shine more and more upon your life. In Jesus' mighty name. If you are under the sound of my voice right now, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of our time, let us lead the word for today on 26th January. We are going to read from Matthew chapter 9 verse 2. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. Our text today is looking behind the problem. There is something interesting in our text today. Jesus faced a paralyzed man. He faced someone who was sick. And what was expected to the people around and even to us 
was be healed so that the person should really get healed but Jesus did not say be healed he simply said be encouraged for your sins have been forgiven what does it mean it means the problem was not the paralysis but the problem was the hidden sin which was with the person was the hidden sin which was the cause of what the person was experiencing many times in our life we focus on the things which are not really a solution we focus more on the problem without focusing on god so that god should reveal to us what really is the problem when we don't have money we focus on how we should get money we focus on getting the money without knowing the cause of our lack of money when we don't have a good relationship when we don't have a good marriage when we don't have a child we focus on having a child we focus on getting a business we focus on getting married we focus on having a business we focus on getting educated we focus on getting a job without knowing that the lack of all those things is a case from our home village is a case from a person we talked some bad things previously we fail to notice exactly what is behind our problem i want to tell you today that the cause of your financial instability may not be may not be because you don't know may not be because you are careless with money but it could be that someone cast you out there that you shall never touch money you shall never grow in your money you shall never go up in your business you shall never get married you shall never have a child it's not that you are looking for a job it's not that what you need is a business what you need is not a marriage partner what you need is not a stable relationship what you need is for you to be relieved from the cases of your life be encouraged for that case to your finances it is being cancelled in the mighty name of Jesus you are going to find a job in the mighty name of Jesus whosoever cast you that you shouldn't find a job that case has been lifted up in the mighty name of Jesus whosoever cast you that you shouldn't have a stable marriage that case has been lifted up in the mighty name of Jesus you are going to enjoy your marriage in Jesus mighty name you are going to enjoy your relationship in Jesus mighty name you are going to have stable finances in Jesus mighty name your relationship your marriage your finances are going to be stable for those cases against them they have been cancelled out today in Jesus mighty name it's not really what you are experiencing but you must focus on something behind that problem it could be sin which you did or which your parents did previously and you are becoming affected because of those things it has been cancelled out in the mighty name of Jesus all generations cases have been cancelled out in the mighty name of Jesus you shall experience the glory of God you shall experience the manifestations of the glory of God in the mighty name of Jesus 
not all problems are indeed a problem in your life some problems are there to lift you some problems are there to promote you some problems are there to encourage you to empower you you must open your eyes wide to see what is happening to see what is happening with your life look at what happened to paul when we read 2 corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 the bible says paul to him was given a thorn to the flesh not because he deserved it but the bible says it was there just to humble him so that he shouldn't become proud of the many revelations he was receiving so it was a thorn in the flesh just to humble paul so paul was humbled by a problem it can happen even with you sometimes you may be experiencing certain problems those problems might be there for your benefit may be there to promote you may be there to protect you you just don't know let your eyes be opened and see exactly what is happening with your life that you are lacking money it might be there to protect you for this for for this moment it might be there to protect you in this period you may never know look at what happened to joseph joseph was hated by his brothers but the bible says when those brothers saw him they didn't know that they are transporting him to a place of his destiny when others are hating you god is loving you when others are hating you god uses that kind of a hate to promote you to love you to encourage you to heal you to give you what you desire the destiny of joseph was in egypt and he was lacking a destiny connector to connect him to egypt but the destiny connector was his own brothers they sold him to egypt it was his transport for him to be a prime minister it can happen with you the problems you are experiencing are just there to promote you just open your eyes and see clearly what the lord is teaching you each time you meet a problem you must be asking yourself that lord lord what are you trying to teach me inside this problem to every problem in your life there's something you need to learn there's something you need to sing out and that one will be your promotion don't just look at a problem but look behind your problem look behind the cause of that problem that cause can be something that has been standing for ages just a case to make sure you don't get that which you are lacking i want to pray for you that may every case in your life be canceled in the mighty name of jesus and may the good lord open your eyes so that in whatsoever you experience you must know that this is what the lord is speaking you must know exactly what is happening inside your problems may the good lord bless you in the mighty name of jesus If you are under the sound of my voice right now just know your light has come and your life will never be the same Without wasting much of our time for today let us lead the way We are going to lead from Revelation chapter 1 verse 10 It was the Lord's day 
and I was worshipping in the spirit. Suddenly, I heard behind me a loud voice, like a trumpet blast. Our text today is hearing the Lord speak. How do you hear the Lord speak? Many of us are wondering, we hear others speak that I've heard the Lord speaking A, B, C, D. I have seen this in spirit. And the question is, how do others see in spirit? How do they hear God? The Bible says this was John. He said he was worshipping in spirit, which means you cannot hear God if you are not in spirit. When we read the Bible in John chapter 4, verse 24, the Bible says, God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Meaning that if God is the spirit, that means the only way you can hear God speak is when you turn yourself into the spirit. If you turn yourself into the spirit of the Lord, if you are in the body, you are not going to hear the Lord speak. If you are in flesh, you are not going to hear the Lord speak. One must be in spirit to hear the Lord speak. So, what does it mean to be in spirit? And how can someone be in spirit? Remember, the spirit of the Lord comes inside your life once you have heard the word of the Lord and you have believed. And to believe the word of the Lord means to start doing the word. As you keep on doing the word of God, that means you become more and more in spirit. The spirit is the author of the word of God. So the moment you start submitting to the word of God, you are actually submitting to the Holy Spirit. You are actually inviting him to be with you. So the more you walk in the word of the Lord, the more you submit in the word of the Lord, the more you are submitting to the Holy Spirit. Many times we want to hear God, but we we fail to understand that the receiver of what we want to hear is the Holy Spirit. The receiver, the antenna of the communication with God is the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is in you, you will be able to hear God speak. You will be able to hear the speakings of God. So what you need is the Holy Spirit inside your heart. When the Holy Spirit is inside your heart, that is your receiver. You are going to hear what God is speaking. So, the more your spirit is being refreshed, the more your spirit is being strengthened, the more you will be able to listen to what God is speaking. To be in spirit means to be caught up by the spirit. That means your spirit has been light enough to be caught up by the spirit of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord is everywhere, but he does not meet a person everywhere. He meets a person in the deep. He meets a person. He meets the spirit of a person in the deep. When we read the word in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 2, we hear Paul was speaking that I was 14 years ago 
caught up in the third heaven. That means his spirit was caught up in the third heaven. For your spirit to be caught up, that means it has been light enough to fly, to be lifted up and meet the spirit of the Lord in the deep. And what lightens your spirit? Remember, as a person, you are both in flesh, in the body and the spirit. The more you ignore your body, the more you deny your body, the more you make your spirit to be lighter, the more you make your spirit to be lighter enough to fly and to be caught up in heaven for you to meet revelation for you to experience the voice of the Lord. Your spirit has to rise, has to fly, has to be caught up and meet the Lord in the air, in the realm of the revelations. Is your spirit light enough? Are you really making your spirit to be light enough so that it can fly? Are you really denying your body? You must deny your body through your time in prayer. The more you pray, the more you deny your body. The more you do your fasting, the more you deny your body. The more you disconnect yourself to the things of this world, the more you are disconnecting your body. And as you are disconnecting your body, you are making your spirit, you are making your spirit man to be light enough to fly and be caught up in the realm of the heavens to catch the revelations, to catch the voice of the Lord. Is your spirit light enough? You better take a step today. Don't focus on your body. You must ignore your body. Don't focus on the worldly things. You must disconnect yourself from the worldly things. Anything that cannot take you to heaven is worldly and you must disconnect yourself from it. The manners, the love of this world, they will not take you to heaven. Anything that cannot take you to heaven, I tell you, that one is worldly. So watch out. Watch out how you use your time. Make sure you are using your time to to read the word of God. You are using your time to play. You are using your time to disconnect yourself from the body. You must crucify the flesh so that you can live in spirit, so that you can catch a revelation from the Lord. Paul said, I die each and every day. He actually meant he disconnect himself from the things of this world each and every day so that he can be in spirit each and every day. To be in spirit or to grow spiritually is an everyday activity. Each and every day you must choose to disconnect yourself from the things of this world. Each and every day you must choose to disconnect yourself from worldly things. In that way, you see yourself glowing spiritually. You see yourself manifesting in the spirit of the Lord. You see yourself hearing the Lord speak. Why? Because the spirit within you is light enough to catch a revelation, is light enough to fly and navigate in spirit, to search for the deep things from the Lord. Because your spirit 
is light enough. Lighten your spirit through your fastings. Lighten your spirit as you spend more time in the word of God. Lighten your spirit as you spend more time in prayers. Lighten your spirit as you choose to move in fastings as much as you can so that your spirit can be light enough. And I want to pray for you. May the good Lord grant you the grace to let down the things of this world in the mighty name of Jesus. It takes grace to disconnect yourself from the things of this world. It takes grace to leave the things of this world and focus only on the things of God. And may that grace be upon your life. May the grace to give up all the things be upon your life in the mighty name of Jesus. If you are under the sound of my voice right now, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of our time, let us leave the word for today on 28th January. We are going to lead from 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. So that if I am delayed, you know how how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Our text today is the church, the place to know God. Do you know God? When we read the Bible in Daniel chapter 11 verse 32, the Bible says, The people who know their God shall be strong and resist the devil. You are not supposed to learn away from Satan, but Satan has to learn away from you. Satan can only learn from you if you know God. When you know God, you shall be strong. When you know God, you shall resist the devil. Satan is not afraid of you hearing your prophecy. Satan is not afraid of you receiving your miracle. Satan is not afraid of you receiving deliverance, of you receiving your healing, because he knows even if you receive your healing, you don't know how to maintain your healing. Even if you receive a miracle, you don't know how to maintain your miracle. Even if you receive the breakthrough, you don't know how to maintain the breakthrough. The people who know their God are the people who knows how to get a breakthrough and how to maintain a breakthrough. The people who know their God are the people who knows how to get healed and maintain the healing. Are the people who knows how to get blessed and know how to maintain the blessing. Many times we are focused on blessings. Many times we are focused on the things we really want without knowing how to maintain that which we want. Without knowing how to get that which we want. We people are seeking a blessing without seeking how to get blessed. 
it is better to know how to get blessed than to get blessed. It is better to know how to be rich than to suddenly become rich. It is better to know how to maintain a relationship than to find a relationship. It is better to know how to get a business than to be in a business. It is better to know how to be anointed than to seek mantles, than to seek the anointings. We people, we don't want the process. We just want a thing. We try to jump the process, but the process is what is needed. When we focus on the process, we focus on God. When we focus on the process, we focus on knowing God because we serve a God of a process. We know how God processed Joseph from being hated by his own brothers, from being sold to Egypt, from being put in prison to become a prime minister. That is a process, the making of a real man. But you people of today, you just want to appear, I'm a prime minister. You just want to appear, I'm a great man of God. You just want to appear, I'm a great business person. You just want to appear, I'm rich. There's nothing like becoming somebody by chance. There is always a process. You must always subscribe to a process. And then in that way, you see yourself being strong in the Lord. You see yourself resisting the devil. The Bible says a church is the foundation of all truth, which means if all you want is to know God, you know God by his word. You know God by the truth that is in his word. Each time you are listening to the word of God, each time you are learning the word of God, that means you start understanding God. You start understanding how you ought to move with your life, how you ought to move in this life. The Bible says the people who knows their God shall be strong. The people who know their God shall resist the devil. Do you want to be strong? Then you need to know God. And God has put a place where you can know him better. And that is a church. The pillar of a church is the truth. is the word of God. You must go to church to listen to the word of God. And let the word of God change you. You must go to church to listen to the word. You must go to church for you to change through the word of God. Don't go to church for a miracle. Don't go to church for a healing power. Don't go to church for you to be delivered. You must go to church for you to listen to the word. The word of God is power. The word of God is going to deliver you. The word of God is going to heal you. The word of God is going to empower you and bless you. In the word of God, there's everything. We must focus on the word of God. Each time you are focusing on the word of God, it is then you will be glowing. But many times today, we are focused on the blessings of the Lord. We are focused on the blessing of the Lord and not a person who blesses you. We are focused on the healing power. We are focused on the prophecies. We are focused on the healings without focusing on the person who heals, without focusing on a person who delivers, without focusing on a person who is prophesying to you is the Holy Spirit, is Jesus himself. Do you know him? If you don't know 
know him you will not be able to understand what he speaks to you you will not be able to understand or maintain the blessings he gives you that's why many of us we are not being blessed because we don't know our god we don't know god do you know your god the bible says the people who know their god shall be strong they shall be strong in the lord you must be in the lord you must focus on the word of god when we acts chapter 20 verse 32 paul was speaking that i commend you first to god and then to the grace of his word that will be able to build up if you want to grow you only grow through the word of god you only grow by hearing of the word of god by understanding who god is in that way you will be able to grow and you will be built up do you understand god do you know god do you really know who god is let's not focus on the blessings let's not focus on the healing power the miracles the deliverances all those things are are necessary yes but they are inside the word of god you must focus on the word of god and it is clear in 1 corinthians chapter 12 verse 28 the bible says teachers ala rated third after an apostle and a prophet a church requires an apostle a church requires a prophet and a church requires a teacher and then is when you can have the gifts of healings the gifts of miracles meaning that all you need are the teachers of the word you need teachings you need the word of god you must go to a place where you are being taught the word of god any place where you are not learning the word of god you must question yourself what am i doing here any place that does not put the word of god in front it is not the house of god the bible says the house of god has a pillar in the truth has a pillar in the word of god if a place you are going to they do not put the word of god in front just know you are in the long place you are not going to grow but you are only going to get temporary things and not permanent things and spiritually you are still going to be a kid but be in a place where the word of god is being shared i want to pray for you may the lord press you may the lord give you the hunger to be listening to the word of god in the mighty name of jesus If you are under the sound of my voice right now I just want you to know that your light has come and your life will never be the same without wasting much of our time let us lead the word for today on 29th January we are going to lead from Revelation chapter 1 verse 20 This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my light hand and the seven gold lampstands the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches our text today is your light source Do you know that all you need is the light? 
And do you know the source of that light? What is that light? And what is the source of that light? When we read in Psalms chapter 119 verse 105, David was speaking. He said, your word is like a lamp to my life and is like light to my path, which means we need the word of God for us to see where we are going. We need the word of God for us to see direction, for us to know what we need to do in our daily activities. Whenever you need direction, then turn to the word of God. Whenever you want to see clearly where you need to go, you need the light which is in the word of God. Many of us today have lost direction. We don't know what to do. We don't know where we must go. We don't know what we must start. Just because we have disconnected ourselves from the source of our light. And the Bible today is teaching us that the source of your light is that church. The church is like a lamp stand as we are hearing the word. A lamp stand is where a candle is put or where the lamp is put. That lamp, which is the word of God, is pleasant on the lamp stand, which is the church. So whenever you need the light, just know that the light you need is on the lamp stand, which is the church. Each time you go to a church, that means you are going for for direction. You are going for the word of God. You are going for the commands of the Lord. The commands of the Lord and the word of the Lord are like a direction to our life. They are like the lamp to your life. When we read Proverbs chapter 6 verse 23, this is what we learn. The Bible says the commands of the Lord and the teachings of the Lord are like a lamp. So that lamp is like that star the Bible is talking about. Whenever you see a man of God, that man of God or woman of God is like a star, is like a lamp. That means in him, God has entrusted the word of God. God has entrusted his commands. When you listen to his commands, when you listen to his direction, when you listen to his advice, that means you are getting the light for your future. You are getting the light for your life. You are getting the light for your business, the light for your academics, for your work. You have lost your direction just because you do not have enough light. You do not have enough word of God. Each time you go to church, you must go for the word of God. That is your light. When you go to church, you are actually going to a place where there is your light. The Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church. Which means when you want Jesus, 
when you want the light remember jesus said i am the light to the world which means when you need the light that means you must connect yourself to jesus so if jesus says i am the head of the church it means the moment you disconnect yourself from the church you are disconnecting yourself from jesus and as you disconnect yourself from jesus that means you are disconnecting yourself from the light jesus is the light and as you go to a church that means you are connecting yourself to that light and you are connecting yourself to that light through a man of god who is overseeing that church that man of god is like a star that man of god is like that source of your light and that light is coming from jesus remember what paul said paul said follow me as i follow jesus meaning that the head of a man of god the head of a woman of god is jesus himself as you follow a man of god the man of god is following jesus as well so it is important for you as well to know that you must follow a man who is following jesus don't just follow a man not every man is a star not every man and woman of god you know is indeed headed by jesus himself the bible says beware many false prophets who appear in these last days so which means you need to be very careful not everyone who is heading you is indeed a man sent by god the bible says a woman and a man of god must be sent by god and you know them by their fruits the fruit of the character of jesus christ each time you see the character of jesus in a man or a woman of god just know he is or she is that saint one and she is that light of the lord that you must get that light by submitting to him or her through understanding of the word and following the directions of the man and a woman of god under your care each time you are hearing from the man god has put under your care each time you are hearing and following the instructions of a man of god god has sent to you that means it is how you are going to get better in life it is how you are going to prosper in life it is how you are going to reach your destiny you must go to church to get your light the church is the source of your light the church is the source of your direction the source of your help do you go to church do you have a church and if you have a church do you regularly go there if you go there regularly that will be the source of your light that will be the source of your direction that means your light or not God him when with the bible in Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 the bible says you are the light of this world what does it mean for you to be the light the light means the holy spirit inside your life when the holy spirit dwells inside your life that holy spirit is like the light remember jesus said i am the light of the world so if jesus is the light of the world and you have jesus in you that means you have the light and jesus comes in your life as the presence of the holy spirit inside your heart 
when we say we have Jesus, we mean we have his Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit is inside you, it means you have the light and that light is what direction you will be led by the holy spirit you will be directed by the holy spirit and the holy spirit will be teaching you and this is why the bible says don't you realize that you are the temple of god why because of the holy spirit who is in you each time you allow the holy spirit to be inside your heart that means you are turning yourself into the light and if you have turned yourself into the light you become that temple of god and as a temple of god you are not supposed to hide yourself that means you must set yourself on the place that others can see the light in you others can see the god and the jesus in you so that they can be attracted and they can also be helped not every light cause kings but it is that light that is so bright that will call extraordinary people but just a mere light will call ordinary people so you must be bright enough to call the extraordinary you must be bright enough to be blessed by the people who needs to bless your life you must be connected to the brightness of your light so that you can call the people who can bless your life many times you are not being blessed many times your contracts are not being picked many times your businesses are not being connected destiny helpers are not coming why it means you have not yet reached that level of brightness that can call business partners that level of brightness that can call destiny helpers but the day you will be bright enough you will see them coming why they come when you are so much bright they come when your brightness is just too much and your brightness comes whenever you walk in the way of god each time you are reading the word of god each time you are praying you are like lighting your candle to light so bright and i want to pray for you today may the light of the lord be upon your life and may the light of the lord light so bright upon your life in the mighty name of jesus If you are under the sound of my voice right now, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of our time, let us lead the word for today on 30th January. We are going to lead Revelation chapter 2 verse 1. Light this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands our text today is the owner of all churches who owns the church is he the overseer we previously learned that a star represent a man of god or a woman of god a servant of god 
taking care of the church. And then the God lampstands represent a church. And the Bible says Jesus is holding the stars who walks among the seven God lampstands, meaning that he is walking among the churches as overseeing, as directing to show ownership. It means the owner of the church is Jesus himself. And we men of God, we are just overseeing, we are just taking care of the work Jesus has given us. It means Jesus must be the one giving us the work to do. We must oversee the church based on what Jesus has asked us to do. In other words, as the year is just starting, we need to be asking Jesus that this is your church. How do you want it to be learned in this year? How do you want it to go in this year? What should be the focus? What do your people need? That means we are submitting to the owner of the church. We need to understand that we are just stewards. We are just overseeing. We are just caretakers. We are just doing the job of the one who is there, who is the owner. When we read the Bible in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, the Bible says the head of the church is Jesus himself. Meaning that we pastors need to be submitting to Jesus himself. Failure to submit to Jesus, that means we are like directing a church or we are like entering a church through the window and not the door. Remember when we read John chapter 10, Verse 2, the Bible says, He who enters through the gate is the one I have sent. My shepherd are those who enter by the gate, and the gate represents Jesus. So if someone goes into a church, goes into planting a church, goes into ministering to people, must enter through the gate. If he enters through the gate, or if he submits to Jesus, in directing, in overseeing the church, that means he has entered through the gate and is indeed a shepherd of God. When we go to Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 15, we learn that a pastor and the people do not just meet. It's Jesus himself who makes the pastor and the people to meet together. In other words, it is a teaching to we the Christians. We need to understand that we, we do not have a choice of a church. We do not have a choice of a pastor. We are not supposed to be chosen that I'll be going to this church. We are not supposed to be chosen that I'll be going to this pastor. All we need is to submit ourselves to Jesus himself. When we read Jeremiah chapter 3 uh, verse 15, the Bible says, and I'll give you a shepherd after my own heart. But when we look at this verse, it comes after God was telling those who were lost, was telling those who were living in sin, those who were like Gentiles. He said, come back to me, leave your evil ways, come to me, and then I'll give you a shepherd after my own heart to give you the word, to teach you the word with understanding. What does it mean? It means 
as a Christian, as a child of God, the the thing you need you need to do is only to go to Jesus. Your part is to submit your life unto Jesus. Your part is only to repent, is to start doing the word of God. As you start doing the word of God, it is when Jesus himself will call you and say, this is a shepherd after my own heart, will teach you the word, will guide you into the word so that you are ready for the coming of me, so that you are ready for rapture so that you prepare yourself for the life eternity that is coming. Which means as a Christian, your task is only to give your life to Jesus. Your task is only to submit to the word of God. Your task is only to start doing the word. As you start doing the word, then you must expect Jesus to give you a shepherd after his own heart. You don't have the light to select a shepherd, but it's Jesus himself who gives you a shepherd after his own heart. When things go in this way, what happens is that even the sheep listen to their shepherds and the shepherds speaks to the sheep and the sheep's hear what the shepherd is speaking. A relationship works well in a church when the two parties meet under the submission of Jesus Christ. As a pastor, we need to submit ourselves to Jesus. And then as we Christians, we believers, we also need to submit ourselves to Jesus. And when Jesus gives you a shepherd, that's when things work on well. But if we choose ourselves, or if we let our parents choose for us, things do not work out well. We do not listen to the word, and the word doesn't really penetrate in our hearts because we are in a place not because of Jesus, not because of God, but we are in a place because of ourselves or because of our parents or because of our friends. We must always be careful when it comes to selecting a church, when it comes to belonging to a particular church. We do not have that light to choose a church. We do not have that light to select a particular pastor. All we need is to submit ourselves to Jesus Christ. As we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ, then Jesus sends us a pastor after his own heart. Which means as a pastor, you are not just supposed to go and start ministering to people. You have to wait. Which people is my Jesus sending me to? Which means you also have to submit to Jesus himself and then you'll be directed where to go. The owner of the church is Jesus himself and he directs who must be in the church and he directs who must be ministering in that particular church. He brings people who submits to him. He brings a pastor who submits to him. If a church has people who have submitted to Christ and has a pastor who has submitted to Christ, it is a church that is indeed headed by Jesus and things will be working out well. I just want to pray for you. May the good Lord grant you the light for today. May you shine wherever you will be going. And may you be favored in the mighty name of Jesus.
If you are under the sound of my voice right now, just know your light has come and your life will never be the same. Without wasting much of your time, let us lead the word for today on the 31st January. We are going to lead Revelation chapter 2 verses 4 to 5. Revelation chapter 2 verses 4 to 5. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lamp stand from its place among the churches. Our text today is repent or lose the presence. Repent or lose the presence. The Bible says repent or else I will remove the lampstand which is among the churches. What is a lampstand? We have learned that the lampstand represents the church. So the church is a church because of a lampstand that holds a lamp. And a lamp represents the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, repent. If you don't repent, I'll take away the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit represents the presence of the Lord in a church. A church is a place of worship and it is a church. It is a house of God because there's a man of God and there are followers. There's a shepherd and then there are sheep. Now, the Bible says, I will remove, I will take away the lamp. If you don't repent, I will take away my lamp. I will take away the lamp stand. If the lamp stand is taken, that means there is no place for a lamp. There is no place for the Holy Spirit. There is no place for the light. And if there is no light, that means people will lose direction. The director, the Holy Spirit is not there. Now, this is the message to you, man of God. This is the message to you. You call yourself a believer, a Christian. The Bible says you have lost your first love. This is not the way you used to do. This is not the way you used to minister. This is not the way you used to play. This is not the way you used to read the Bible. This is not the way you used to sing. You used to place and worship. This is not the way you used to go out winning more souls. You have lost the first love. The love you had in the first place, the love of God is not what is in you. Something is a problem. Something has happened. And the Bible says, remember where you fall. Remember what happened. What did you allow in your life that made you to forget God, that made you to forget everything that the Lord has done unto your life, that made you not to love God the way you used to love Him, that made you not to love the surrounding, not to love your neighbor the way you used to love them. What happened? The Bible says, remember where you fall so that you can pick up from there and start loving the Lord. And the Bible says, if you do not repent, then 
the lampstand will be taken away. The church represent the Holy Spirit. Remember the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16, the Bible says you are the temple of the living God. Why? Because of the Spirit who dwells inside your heart. As a Christian, you are that temple. And if the Lord says, I'll take away that temple, it means he's going to take away his Holy Spirit. And if his Holy Spirit has been taken away, things are not going to be well with you. Because the Holy Spirit is your light. The Holy Spirit is your director. The Holy Spirit is the recipient of the blessings you desire from the Lord. Everything you need from God is a blessing. And every blessing comes in your life through Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit has been taken away, it means you will remain like any other individual without the help of God, without the help of the Holy Spirit. It is therefore important to maintain the Holy Spirit. It is therefore important to always dwell together with the indwelling Holy Spirit. This is why David in Psalms 51 verse 11, he said, do not take away your Holy Spirit out of me. He knew how important the Holy Spirit is. If you don't repent, I'll take away my church. I'll take away the lampstand. I'll take away my spirit within you. When the Spirit of the Lord goes out of the church, that means that church will be just like a building. There will be no the presence of the Lord. There will be no light of the Lord. There will be no deliverance because deliverances, healings, receiving of blessings are inside the light and that light is the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is taken away, that means people will not get delivered. People will not get blessed. People will not get healed. That means the presence has been taken away. You are a man of God just because of people who are coming. You are a man of God just because of the sheep. You are a shepherd because of the sheep around. So if the sheep have been taken away, that means you are no longer a man of God. So when the Lord says, I'm going to take away my spirit, I'm going to take away the church, I'm going to take away the lampstand, it actually means I'm going to disqualify you, I'm going to remove you as a man of God. When the presence is not there, when the food is not there, the sheep will run away. And when the sheep run away, you are no longer a shepherd, you are no longer a man of God. That means you have been disqualified. The only solution is repent. The Bible says repent. Start doing the word. Start ministering the way God wants you to be ministering. Start doing the way God wants to be doing. Then in that way, you will see things going the way God wants them to go. And to the Christian, the Bible says, I'll take away my lamp. I'll take away the lamp stand. That means there will be no light. You are light is the Holy Spirit. Your light is the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. When the Holy Spirit of the Lord is taken away, that means you are alone. Remember, the Holy Spirit has identified you as a Christian, as a child of God, and that at the last day, you will be taken and meet the Lord in the air during rapture. Or when you die, that means you will have died in Jesus. Now, when the Holy Spirit is taken away, it means you have lost your salvation. It means you have lost 
your status of being a child of God. You have lost the recipient of receiving the blessings of the Lord. Remember when we read Ephesians chapter 1 verse verse 3, the Bible says every blessing comes to a person through Jesus Christ. That means if you want to be blessed, you can only be blessed if you have Jesus in you and you have Jesus in you if you have the Holy Spirit inside your life. The Bible says repent. If you do not repent, I'll take away the Holy Spirit and you know what you are going to lose. There will be no blessings. There will be no direction. There will be no salvation. And the Bible says remember where you fall. Remember Start doing the word. Repent. To repent means to believe. And to believe means to start doing the word of God. You must start doing the word of God today. You must start doing what God wants you to be doing. And then in that way, you reclaim back the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit maintains in you, that means the Holy Spirit will bear the fruit of love, will bear the fruit of the character of Jesus. And then that first love will have been restored upon your life. Restoration of the first love is restoration of the Holy Spirit. It's restoration of the presence of the Lord. Restore the Spirit of the Lord in you. Start doing the word. Repent. To repent means to start doing the word. The Bible says repent. And I want to pray for you. May the good Lord bless you and may the light of the living Lord shine upon your life. I pray for favor wherever you will be going throughout this day. May the Lord favor you. May the Lord direct you in the mighty name of Jesus. Mm-hmm.